episode 558 of the Chair Shot Podcast. We're back again, friends. Um, another week. We, we never miss a week. You know, we're, we're Mr. Reliable. No days off, no weeks off. We're always here. Uh, Barry isn't. He has been on holiday in Venice because he's a fancy little boy. He's been over there. <laughs> <laughs> Sampley. I mean, I say fancy boy based on his Instagram and Twitter. He's mainly been eating pizza and ice cream um, probably not that different from <laughs> what he would have been eating in Limerick yeah, well, uh, when in Venice when in Venice have a little uh, margarita pizza uh, so yeah he's not with us but we do have we'd have myself uh, Towny Tony Boy Towner and Mr. Paul Griffin yeah and as I was saying Joe I'm kind of making up for Barry's absence by I was eating some Oreos just before we began and where did I put the wrapper? I had some. Oh dear, I don't know where I put it. It's gone. Uh, some Terry's chocolate orange mini eggs. Oh, what? Yeah, and they were uh, eggs. They were bloody good. I got them in Tesco just the other day. Oh. Um, and this brings us on to my first topic of of oh, the yeah. guff. It's, it's not tip. Well, I guess it is life guff. It's something that occurred to me this week. Is you know, Joe. Men like us, when we reach a certain age, I found it was about thirty <laughs> was the age. Yeah. When, when when we you know staying up late and watching these pay per views used to be uh, easy peasy. Yeah. You know, you know, fuck it. Yeah, some nights I'd stay up until four a.m. There wasn't even a pay per view on. You know, I was just doing it recreationally. We used to watch Raw until 4 <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine, I wouldn't stay up until 4pm to watch fucking Raw <laughs> these days. But I've I've now found that at, at the age of 33, I've, I've found that there's another wall that I've hit relating to that, that I wasn't aware of, mm. which is buying the goodies, the sweeties, the candies uh, to eat and enjoy during the show, I find now I have one mini egg and I'm done yeah. for the night. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, my belly. Oh, my yeah. belly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can't, you can't eat in the middle of the night anymore. No. Once you get, once you're past 30. Because I went, I, I went to Tesco specifically with the goal to buy some nice uh, treaties for myself. Yeah. Uh, I got some uh, Pepsi Maxes. Ooh. So, some non-alcoholic beverages. I got um, some Terry's chocolate orange mini eggs, which, as I've s- said, I was just finishing off now before, <laughs> before we started recording. Uh, a mini bar, or sorry, a mini egg bar, which I'll show Joe now. Mm-hmm. That's how much of it is gone. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's about, I still have about nine tenths of the bar still left, right? Yeah. Uh, the Oreo, Batman Oreos which are just normal Oreos with little Batman face mm-hmm. imprinted on them. I've had about two of those. Um, bag of squashies. Obviously, we're we're both uh, lovers of Ooh, lovers the of the squash. Now, to be fair, Joe, the squashies did not make it through the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, well, the squashies were the first thing in, uh, and they were they were what caused the logjam of nothing else being able to go down the hatch. Yeah. Um, so, I, I I have all these treats now that I like. I don't really even really want this mini egg bar, 
I just have it now. You'll fa- give, well, give it. You'll fancy it. There'll be a point where you're like, mm, mm, yeah, mini egg, yeah, mini egg, bar, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. No, you, um, you're definitely right. Staying up late and eating in the middle of the night, it's um, it's not for me. I mean, we've been watching. Um, Michelle and I have been watching the Golden Girls uh, recently, mm. uh, the classic '80s sitcom. Um, as I mentioned before, we we have our lunch break at the same time and watch a couple of. Uh, Episodes of a classic sitcom. Uh, we were going to watch Frasier, but that um, there was a problem with Channel Four, and it, they don't have all the episodes on there for some reason. Oh, weirdly, okay. it's like half the episodes are missing, and I'm like, "What the fuck's going on?" So we gave that up and decided to uh, watch The Golden Girls instead. And now, The Golden Girls—it's four kind of elderly ladies. I said, "Well, they appeared a lot more elderly when I was a kid. Now they don't seem that far off, to be honest." Now, now they're kind of sexy. <laughs> now it's like, "Oh, she's." Within my range, it's not bad. <laughs> too much older. Um, but they do eat in the middle of the night a lot. They have cheesecake at like 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh. I don't believe that. That can only happen in a sitcom. I'm sorry, oh. but 55-year-old woman eating cheesecake at 2 a.m., she would not be sleeping after that. That's, yeah. that's crazy. I even, I even get it sometimes. It's not very, not very frequently, but I do get it sometimes that if I have a little naughty crisp of an evening... Mm. I feel in the morning. Oh, oh, the belly's not enjoying that. No, no, the belly's not happy with me. But um, yeah, that's just something that you know, staying up late and noshing on uh, on quibbles mm. is a young man's game. Yep, totally is. And unfortunately, we're moving out of that uh, demo. Um, what else have you been up to? What else have been up to? Well, speaking of. Eating like an absolute little piggy the last few days, right? Mm. Um, me and my brother, who also stayed up for the, I watched the pay per view with him. We both had today off work. We decided, Joe, that you know everything in moderation, mm. including excess. So we had a little weekend of excess in moderation. We had fast food three days in a row, Joe. And three different establishments. Mm-hmm. So I called I called it a little fast food pub crawl. Fast food. <laughs> no, it wasn't all in one one after another. It was no, it was one day yeah. after another. To be fair, but um, Friday. Excuse me, I did a little burp there because I've been drinking Uh-oh. Pepsi Max. Friday, uh, I was doing some shopping of a recreational kind. I wasn't doing the mm. um, groceries. I was doing some retail therapy, which I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, we were at the local shopping center, and I said, ooh, I fancy a Burger King. So I haven't been to Burger King in about a year. So went in, had a double whooper. Tremendous, right? Very nice. So that was day one. We we weren't planning this to be a, a recurring thing. At least, at least at that point, right? Hmm. Day two happens, and uh, we're walking to Tesco to get the treats for the the rest. Yeah. Uh, and what's on the walk to Tesco, Joe? What's on the way as you're walking from my house to Tesco? It's a little, it's a little McDonald's, Joe. I say, well, you know, we're we're doing we're doing Mad Lad Weekend. We're doing <laughs> we're doing lads on tour. Let's <laughs> stop in, have a little a little sly of McDonald's, right? With the proviso that 
it would be a very reserved McDonald's. There'd be no extras, no, uh, you know, uh, McFlurries or anything of the like. Just the one meal then. Just, just a meal. Just a meal. not two meals. Not, the not two meals. Not, not the uh, 2010 France special. Uh, <laughs> single meal. Nothing. Nothing added on to the basic McDonald's meal. So had that, and then today being the day off, we. Uh, took the benefit of not being at work to book ourselves into the cinema to see one of the new releases uh, starring a certain Batman, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, And what's next to the cinema, Joe, is Five Guys, Burgers and Fries. Five Guys, Five Guys, Five Guys. On the third day in a row, had myself a lovely... Mm. Another burger, little burgery, little burgery boo, and it was tremendous. Um, so yeah, so back to the gym. <laughs> Maybe not to. I was gonna say tomorrow morning, but I still, I, f- I feel like I'm still recovering from staying up late for the pay per view. Yeah, so it might be Wednesday morning after I get a, a proper night's sleep and catch up. But back to the gym. No, no more sweetie wheaties for a little while after Ooh. these mini eggs go. See We'll be we'll be being a good boy, going to the gym, uh, not giving up the sweets entirely necessarily, but definitely cutting back. I won't be I won't be having as much as I would yeah. typically do, and that's not only because of the uh, uh, the fast food, etc., but that's also because of the retail therapy. Because we were in the shopping center, and I said, "Well, you know what? I want to treat myself to something." Mm. Uh, everyone on my Twitter feed, at least, has been buying video games left and right. The new Horizon game on PlayStation 5, the new Elden Ring game on PlayStation 5. I don't have a PlayStation 5. But I got me... He's got... What's he got? I got the... Oh! Super Mario 64 Lego block uh, for the pricely sum of 160 Europeans, which is a lot for a Lego set. Jesus. But if you bang on. your head on it, does it make a noise? Bling. No. Oh, it, it doesn't. I think it did. It does not make a noise. That um, would, I mean, like I said, I don't encourage people to smash their head against a big no. yellow brick. But um, it do, It's great, though. It's got a lot of little secrets. Obviously, the listeners always see this. Uh, who's that hiding there? Is it the Bowser boy? And. The main thing of it, let me just put it down, open it up, is it's a little, and I know, Joe, that you are as big a Super Mario 64 yeah. fan as I. It's got a little, little Super Mario 64 diorama there. There's oh, the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakitu Mario. Oh, that's fun. That's very yeah. fun. Bob-omb. Yeah. So did you, make, it, you had to make it. You assembled this, right? Of course. It's a Lego kit. It's not like a, just a... You know, you can get like the accessories to things no no this is like this is one kit oh bloody hell oh he's got this that's after open up don't worry about that that's a little secret um i don't want to spoil everything for everybody but uh no it's one set and what it is is, sorry i was just putting it down there if anyone wondering what that delay was it's a uh it looks like a question mark block you might have seen Mm. super mario games but inside are these four little dioramas of levels from Mario 64 and the top mm. flips over and they open out into a little display. It's got little secrets hidden. Um, like, for instance, you build um, Cool Cool Mountain. 
which is one of my favorite levels with the penguins. Yes, yes. And of course, you have the penguins, but you also have the mountain, and the side of the mountain lifts off, lifts off, and what's inside is the little slide from the level. Mm. Oh, mate, it's tremendous. That's good stuff. It's tremendous. That's good stuff. That's a lot of fun. Um, so if people haven't seen this, I would recommend there's some good YouTube videos that go through what's what's in it. But mm. uh, Super Mario 64 specifically, question mark block uh, via Lego. Yeah, and it is just one singular thing. There's no add-ons to it or anything. And it's absolutely wonderful. But obviously expensive. So I, I will be... Uh, that That's eaten... They are uh, expensive, aren't they? they are. That's eaten into the... Uh, I'm always shocked by how expensive budget. Lego is... Because you think, yeah. Oh, yeah, plastic bricks. Okay. There's quite, it's intricate. There's a lot, you know, there's lots of bits and pieces. Yeah. And I know they have to kind of obviously like probably customize different <laughs> tools. Yeah. Different yeah. tools for all, every, all those little, little pieces have to like, like it's not yeah. like they have, they're not just making red blocks, you know, making a Bowser requires a whole new, you know, widget in the big Lego factory in Denmark yeah, or wherever yeah. they make them. Um, but yeah, it's quite, well it is one of the uh it's my it's my second 18s plus lego sets why is it 18 plus is it it's uh because you know sexy. when you think lego joe you think those those big chunky four by two block probably right sure no it's all little tiny ones little tiny bits in fact it's a novelty when you get one of those chunky ones you go oh remember that's what lego used to be um now it's it's all either the very long flat ones or right. like single circles that go on. Uh, it was very intricate. It took me uh, two days to build it. Okay. It wasn't oh. it wasn't a one sitting thing. It came with thirteen separate bags of pieces, mm-hmm. over two thousand pieces to assemble. That's, that's fun, fun stuff. It is like a fun jigsaw. Except it tells you how to build it, obviously. Uh, jigsaws are fun in their own way. <laughs> more fun. Uh, and then at the end, you can put it away and display it. It's nice. Yeah, Michelle and I completed a, a jigsaw this week. Another 1,000-piecer. Um, this one, not too tough. It's was, it was a bit tricky. They had a very interesting innovation, this jigsaw. They actually had, on the reverse of the picture, it had um, let- kind of strings of letters pr- printed across. Right. So you could tell whether you were putting it into the right piece. Because sometimes you get a piece that might fit another one, yeah, might yeah, not, yeah. and you're a bit like, mm, is it? Sometimes you kind of force it in, just like hoping that it is. But yeah, letters printed on the back to give you a little clue, which is quite nice. But yeah, mm. a bit, no. love to do jigsaw. Oh, it's satisfying. <laughs> you can find a piece. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, and then this. I also had a bit of a scare with oh, my oh. one and only AEW action figure i don't i don't think i mentioned this when it happened this was a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh i have my orange cassidy i keep him on my little desk by my shelf uh by mm-hmm. my bed there and i bumped into it and he fell down and his glasses his little plastic glasses he wears went under the bed Uh-oh. and our bed uh I posted t- pictures of it before like the, it lifts up it's got hydraulics under it for storage mm. So it's not the kind of thing where something goes under the bed, you just lift the bed up and grab it. Because the bed is too heavy because it's full of stuff. You can't just <laughs> right, easily yeah. lift it up anymore. Also, it's got a huge headboard that it makes it a bit unwieldy for doing that. Um, so, Orange Cassidy, no sunglasses. That's that's a... Shit. You know, that's like the rock without his $500 
shirt or stone cold without his uh, knee braces. Um, so I made a decision this morning because I was up early after staying up last night before we headed off to the cinema. I said, I'm going to find them's sunglasses if it's the last thing I do. Mm. I, and I had a whole plan in my head. I was going to take the headboard off the back off the bed, disassemble it, um, lift that up, move it if I need. I was, I was trying to think of ways, okay, how am I going to hold this bed up? Like, Obviously, I don't have like a car jack or something. I'm going to use <laughs> books or something <laughs> just to hold it up so I can go underneath. Is that what and, Hulk Hogan said when his car got towed away? I haven't got a car jack, brother. <laughs> um, and so I was just trying to formulate this plan in my head of what way I was going to do it. And then I looked down on the floor, and they were just they were just there. So he's got his little uh, oh, he, he's got his glasses back on. Yeah, but no, I swear they weren't there. This was because this is weeks ago. They they they, they were gone. Because me, even mm. I got Natty involved. I said I can't find his glasses. We were both looking down the side of the bed, mm. looking under the drawers and stuff. And then just this morning, the the day I'm saying, okay, today I'm going to find them. They reappeared. The fairies brought them back to me. So, so little Orange Cassidy is uh, he's reunited with his sunglasses, and the look is complete. He's give the little little thumbs up there. Oh yeah, yeah thumbs up yes. hand. Oh, yes. So I have to be double careful with him because uh, I only have mm. one pair of sunglasses. If I lose them, I don't know. I won't be able to replace them. I have to buy a new art castle. And um, yeah, while I was buying the block, I was looking at the AW figures. I got to say, oh yeah. And there's a very cool uh, Darby Allen figure out. Um, comes with the skateboard the whole half and half painted it's really really cool but at 25 euro and and buying the block which is obviously more important Hmm. could not justify buying the two of them and i don't even really collect wrestling figures anyway it just looked really cool and i just had an impulse of like oh this is that i want it yeah but i was able to um you know restrain myself and keep myself indulgence to only one massive overspend (laughs) as opposed (laughs) to two and so i was happy with that um, and then I guess the only other note of the weekend, uh, probably the worst thing that happened this weekend, Joe, was I did for a couple of hours sit myself down and watch some football. Oh, why? Um, because Joe, hope beyond hope. Sometimes you'll say, "Well, you know, maybe, maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe it won't be a complete embarrassment." <laughs> um. And it kind of, yeah, I mean, the first, it, it, despite losing the first, obviously, if, for those that know, Manchester City 4, Manchester United 1 was the final score. In the first half, I don't think it was. The first half, United were there, were fighting. It was it was a bit like, um, uh, it was a bit like um, one, of, one of Conor McGregor's latest exploits where he's kind of still there in the first round. He's still there in the first yeah. round. He's, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he might not be winning the round, but he's still in it. He's still in it. And then... Round two, oh, his gas tank is gone. Yeah. <laughs> He's finito. He's going to break his leg and lose. And it seemed like, yeah, United were there fighting until in the first half. And then the second half, the steam was gone. City scored a, th- a third goal. I mean, all four of the goals were mm. in part due to some sloppy defended and some bizarre decision making. 
But uh, once that third goal went in, oh, to, down tools, lads. Let's just uh, get this match over with. Go home. Uh, don't try anymore. Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna get it out of this. Bit of a weird mindset. Uh, definitely uh, a team in turmoil. Tag tag team turmoil. Yeah. Yeah. It's what gets me is then I obviously I didn't watch it because I thought what's the point couldn't bring yourself to do it no and then you obviously see all the kind of you know post mortems the um, yeah. the Gary Neville pontification sure. the, the, this club this the history of this club Sir Alex Ferguson David Beckham the Vagics that that is a very good impression I and say. then you got Roy Keane and I won't do the oh we go, uh, well, can, um, can I do Roy Keane then? It's, it's, it's disgrace it's fucking disgrace. No, no. no, no these no, players, no. these players. At the end of the day, they were they, they were shocking. Like, come on now, you're telling me they, they can't kick the ball. Like, now he goes very high pitched, obviously, towards the end as well. <laughs> no, Mike, Mike, come on, come on. you, you kick the ball. Yeah, um, yeah, but you you get all those rants, but I feel like I've heard those. A multiple times. times now. It's like what what we still are we still supposed to be outraged that United are shit. Like we, it's been the case for it's nearly a decade nearly since a decade. Ferguson left. Like, it's not, there's been a brief moment here or there under Mourinho, under Solskjaer, where it yeah. wasn't shit. But for the most part, it's been shit. So I don't even know like what it's like getting excited about Watford losing four one to Man City. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't go on a run. You'd be like, well, they didn't play well. They're not very good. To me, that's, that's <laughs> United. Like I wouldn't expect us four one at City. Yeah. That's not an unreasonable result, given how good they are, how good Liverpool are. And yeah. I can't, yeah, we're fifth or whatever, but you know, I don't think the quality is particularly good outside of the top two or three yeah. in the Premier League at the moment. So it's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, I think the issue uh, for me partly is when you see the statistics of like money spent. Is that's where it could, you know it be- it becomes a bit more of an annoyance. Where it's like uh, you see the stats is like since. 13, 14, amount spent, mm. basically identical, City United. And you look at the two squads, you're like, okay, fair enough. Sometimes he's all right. But did we really need to buy Fred? You know? Who else would we play? And he's like, okay, he's the only know, midfielder. But like, that's, but that's the issue is, okay, he's the key midfielder because of all the other players we bought. Did we need to buy Van de Beek? Did we need to buy... Mm. Um, you know, Tellez, you know, some of these players who aren't necessarily individually the worst or bad, but when you look at the squad makeup and you look at similar money spent by all other teams, and I guess you don't know, it, it, hindsight is obviously twenty twenty. Mm. but you look at similar money spent by other teams, and you think, oh my God, what, what were we doing spending that much money on player X, Y, Z, you know? Shocking. Shocking. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, in terms of the result, Joe, yeah, I agree. I think the fact that it's our first defeat at the Etihad, like, I think we we won the previous three games at the Etihad, which is more yeah, of a shock. All, all That's more of a shock than the fact that we lost this one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, as I said, it wasn't so much the result, it was just the, the, the second half performance where they mm. just weren't chasing the ball, just strolling around, letting City have it. And of course, the, four, the fourth goal, which makes the scoreline look worse was obviously in the very last second of the game just mm. another situation but yeah i was uh i wasn't wasn't the most enjoyable game of all time i don't know i didn't watch any other football because obviously i was either eating fast food walking to a shop mm. shopping at cinema looking for sunglasses 
Well, I watched a bit of um, the Arsenal game, which was pretty good. Arsenal played; they're playing quite well. Yeah, um, some good, some good stuff from them. Quite quietly, Arteta has done a good job. Yeah, I do. Have, well, that's the thing, Joe. Is like, obviously, he wasn't doing a good job. But is there a case to be made in in a greater football uh, consciousness about sticking with a manager through tough times that they sometimes they'll eventually come good? Like, mm, possibly, you know? possibly. How it wasn't too long ago that Arsenal were the laughing stock of the entire league, yeah, you know, and now suddenly it's clicked. You know, he got rid of Aubameyang, um, some of the younger lads are get, getting a bit of consistency, and sometimes it just takes a, one happening for, for fortunes to start turning, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Um, I'll just give a shout out to my fantasy Premier League Coutinho and Saka in the same team. Oh, good, 25 points. Um, yeah, so United have Spurs next. Spurs are, who are equally kind of up and down as we are. Uh, really a, a game that could go either way. And and funnily, because that's obviously was kind of a turning point in Spurs season was the last time we played them. That was the uh, which manager will get sacked first derby between Oli and uh, Nuno at the time. We beat them 3-0. Mm. Interesting to see how it'll play now with Ranić and Conte. And Spurs obviously are playing at the moment uh, against Everton. I don't know, I don't have a score update on that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Spurs get on today leading into uh, our game. Oh, I just checked. They're winning 2-0. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Against Everton. Oh, well. Um, Everton, Everton, they're struggling. They're anyway, tell, tell us about your week, Jim. My week. It's been a relatively quiet one because uh, Michelle and I are going away on holiday Ooh. on Saturday. And so we have to do a COVID test on Friday. So mm. we've been basically isolating for most Hold of up. last week. Um, yeah, basically. Um, so not, not doing too much. As I mentioned, did a very, very nice puzzle. Finished that. Wanted to get that out of the way before we went away. Obviously, you don't want to go away yeah. with a puzzle hanging over you, half finished. Yeah. You, you forget the controls and the story with that. Like, oh, oh, oh. Um, so that was that was good. And yeah, so I won't be on the next couple of shows, but hopefully Barry will be back manning the fort with the uh, yeah. with Paul. Um, but yeah, also book guff. Uh, finished a book. Um, like I mentioned a while ago, I was reading uh, "Never Let Me Go" by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, came out as 2005 novel um kind of dystopian set in a school about some young people won't go too much into it because it ruins the plot but fantastic book um i was actually i was going to read a couple of chapters before revolution last Mm. night but then i kind of got within about 40 pages of the end and i just couldn't stop (laughs) so during the first match during jericho versus eddie kingston i was still reading the end of uh, yeah never let me go um but yeah really really good Quite quite a, a sad novel at times, but oh, yeah. uh, very kind of interesting as well. Very good. Um, and I did. I I'd seen the film, which came out twelve years ago. I saw that very at, good film at the time. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't seen it or thought about it really since then. Uh, and I didn't go and look up anything about the film because I didn't want it to kind of influence my, um, you know, consumption of the book. Um, sure. And I all I could really remember that Ke- was that Kira Knightley was in it. Um, but in my memory, she played the sort of lead character, whereas actually, once I looked it up, she played more of the secondary character. 
Um, so I was kind of picturing her as the, the lead character through reading the whole of the book, which was a surprise right. when it got to the end. But yeah, the cast of that film, oh, oh, you got Carrie Mulligan, Kira Knightley, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man yeah. himself, Sally Hawkins, mm. Andrea Riseborough, Donald Gleeson as well. It was a oh, hell of a cast for that film. Yeah. Uh, also featured a young Ella Purnell who went on to be in uh, Yellow Jackets. So, yeah. There you go. Very interesting. So yeah, very, very good book. I would absolutely recommend it. And a good film, I would will rewatch uh, probably in the next few weeks. Yeah. And that's been about the week. So uh, Paul, have you got any music guff that you want to tell us about? Yes, I do. Uh, so I finished my little spooky ghost rewind yes um i did it stupidly i've realized now because i what i did was i listened to their most recent album first Mm. so like going backwards but then i finished by listening to their first three albums like chronologically so i went four i went four b-sides eps one two three for whatever sense that makes i don't know right uh, but what I have learned is uh, I have a much greater appreciation for the first album than I thought I did, or that I did as of my last listen. The second album, I think, is the weakest one. Third album, mm-hmm. I think, is the best one. Uh, it's funny because with the five albums they've, uh, or four they've put out so far, five uh, as of this coming Friday, at least as of the songs I've heard from it so far, there's is definitely a um, five point of a like uh, spectrum. So it, it it's like the equivalent of when you see on a questionnaire, uh, strongly disagree, disagree, don't know, agree, mm. strongly agree. Like five equally spaced uh, different points on a scale from simple and kind of spooky to slightly less simple, slightly less spooky to more. A good balance of what it used to be, but then more out there and creative and experimental to even more experimental and out there and less spooky to the fifth one just being like, they're just like a hair metal band. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, on one hand, it's nice that not every album feels the same, right? Um, Mm. I know I, I feel the same way about maybe stuff like off the top of my head, like Eminem, you know. In my head, I can very clearly distinguish from album to album until you reach a point like recovery after which every album sounds the same to me but like modern Eminem I can't okay I can't distinguish Kamikaze from Marshall Mathers LP2 like they're they're both dreadful um but certainly early you can tell like okay Slim Shady LP I'm not obviously not infinite but Slim Shady LP has Mm -hmm. like a almost a playfulness to it uh and not innocence but like almost a childishness in the way of it's, it's like very sophomore sophomore and then it gets like Marshall Mouse LP very dark very different M- uh, Eminem show more I guess mainstream more poppy uh, encore obviously is just the drizzling shits the one where he does a weird <laughs> accent for the whole time for some reason uh, or no sorry that's um, nah. relapse the weird relapse. accent yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but ghosts, ghosts are the same, but in a much more positive way. But similarly, you can distinguish very different movements and style from one album to the next one, which I, I suppose is better than than being, you know, ACDC, where every song mm. is the same. 
Um, but I, I must say I'm a little bit worried about this new album. Uh, I'm not sure that the that end of the spectrum is is something that I'm really interested in them in them doing. Uh, I don't think maybe I'm just stuck in my old ways of like this is my idea of what this this group is and this is what their music is. And you know, I, I guess in one sense it's it's admirable to be you know branching out and doing more unexpected things. But at the same time, if you like you know Oasis, you want what's the story more than glory you want definitely maybe you don't want them to put out like a jazz ep no um so i mean there's something to be said about about keeping true to your roots and to be fair there's two two of the four songs i've heard from the album i I do like hunter's moon and call me little sunshine but as i said i don't like kaiserian at all Mm. and uh the other one i heard 20s i'm i'm very undecided on so I will have that will be my main new release review next week will be Ghost uh, Impera uh, out on Friday the 11th but for this week I listened to uh pitchfork.com's they, they they have a thing where obviously they do music their music review site pitchfork mm. and they do they have a little thing that they give to like the best of the week or whatever it's called best new music it's like a little label this so that you can very easily see okay this is this was a good one so i listened to the latest best new music release on their website and it's uh by a london singer songwriter called i'm gonna butcher this name nil nil ufer yanya that's n-i-l u umlaut f-e-r nil ufer and then Yanya, Y-A-N-Y-A. Um, which I, again, I won't <laughs> go too deep into it to, for fear of boring people, but I, I really liked it. Again, I've maybe I'm falling into a bit of a rut of listening to these kind of um, female-driven, not quite rock, not quite like alternative rock, but like, mm-hmm. you know, your beach houses of the world, your wolf Alice's of the world, your kind of Florence of the Machine sounding bands who have who are a little bit less mainstream, a little bit more uh, alternative sounding than Florence of the Machine, a little less poppy. And this is kind of another one of those that I really, really enjoyed. So I, luckily I'm discovering this genre of music that I really like. But uh, maybe I need to take a break from listening to that type of music specifically now because I feel like I've heard three, three or four albums that, okay, I, I like them all. Yeah. But I don't have much more to say about that kind of music. Like it's again, it's a little bit this one, to be fair, uh Painless is the name of the album, by the way. It's a little bit, like I said, a little bit more alternative rock than mm. Beach House. Beach House is obviously a little bit more electronic, a bit more poppy, I guess. This is a bit more um Foo Fighters y sounding at points. Um I know that Foo Fighters put out uh which one was it? Um they put out a double album about a decade ago that had like an acoustic side to it. Uh, and it, it reminds me a bit of some of the songs on that, but obviously with a, with a, a female lead. Mm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, favorite song on it was called, let me bring it up quickly. Um, I, I, I made, I made a specific point to remember the name of the song and I've already forgotten what it was. <laughs> Uh, it's called da, 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 Stabilize. 
So that's my recommendation of, of, I always give out one track to try. And if you like that track, listen to the rest of the album. The track is called Stabilize Off Painless by Nilouf, Nilufer Yanya. And I give that album overall a thumbs up as well. And of course, I give all the ghost albums thumbs up as well, apart from Infestissimum, which gets a, a up to the side because the last mm. half of the album is not great. Nice. Or I give it an, an Orange Cassidy thumbs up where the thumb isn't fully up. Yeah. Unenergetic uh, <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, some good music chat there. It's good recommendations from Paul. Um, mm, thank you. Speaking of uh, recommendations, been watching a bit of TV this week. Oh hell, yeah, yeah. Um, finished a show on BBC called Chloe. Um, it was a show about a kind of a, a woman who knows a woman who gets mercy for such a bad explanation. Of, I think I've lost my ability to speak out loud. Second <laughs> five hundred and fifty-eight episodes, but here we go. Um, it's about a yeah, kind of slightly troubled young woman who finds out that a woman who she's kind of you're not quite sure mysteriously tangentially connected to has died. She finds out via Instagram because this this woman is a, a famous kind of influencer, has lots of lots of followers. Um, so then this this character starts to inveigle her way into the um, circle of friends of this woman to try and find out what happened to her. But at the same time, she's also seems to be a bit of a con artist. Like she kind of uses a fake name. She's not quite telling the truth. She seems to be very much enjoying kind of being part of this, this circle of people uh, as well as at the same time, supposedly trying to find out what, what happened to this, this dead woman. Um, six episodes long. And I think the first couple it was enjoyable, but it was like, eh, not essential, but as it went on, I think it got a lot better. And in particular, the last couple of episodes, it really kind of uh, started to pay off. It was a bit of a slow burn. It was like a kind of Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, 60-minute match. You know, you, you, you right. can't go too fast at the beginning, but once they got into the home stretch, it was like, oh, yeah, it's actually really good. And you can start to see the motivations of why she did a lot of the things she did, and you started to be really into the... Uh, the suspense of her nearly kind of getting caught out as, as this sort of infiltrator in this group. So yeah, Chloe, which uh, stars Erin Doherty, who uh, played Princess Anne in The Crown and is very, 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 very good actress and does a fantastic job. So yeah, Chloe on BBC, definitely one to um, keep an eye out for. Uh, and then once that was finished, we started watching a new series on Disney Plus uh, called The Dropout. Um, which is all about Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of Theranos uh, and also a con artist, <laughs> also kind of conned a lot of people out of a lot of money uh, by pretending that she could, she had a technology that could do blood tests with a single drop of blood. Um, so I've been really interested in this case because I remember first reading about it probably back in like 2014 or something a long time ago. Um and I've, there was a podcast series I listened to. There was a really, really good book called Bad Blood that came out that was I read. It's fantastic. And then there was a, I think it was a HBO documentary as well that was that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, so they've now done uh, as as they seem to do now. As soon as anything happens in the news, you have to have a 
dramatic TV dramatization of it within about six months yeah. of the news events. You know, I'm sure we'll have like a Ukraine Russia drama in about three weeks because they turn these around pretty quickly right now. Um, so they've adapted it. I don't know if they adapted the book actually. I was looking into what the source material is, if it's just the whole story or whether it's adapted from a specific um, piece of material. But um, she is played by Amanda Seyfried, um, who does a really, really good job, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of praise for her. Um, I would say it's interesting. We only watched one episode so far where they do, uh, at least in the first episode, kind of portray her very sympathetically. Um, at least how, if I had never heard of anything about this case and I was just watching this show, I would really, really see her as the victim of this whole thing, which is in complete contrast to every other piece of coverage of the case that basically explains that she duped all of these people and into handing over billions and kind of lied to everyone in this effort. Basically, she was a bit of a fantasist, I think. She wanted to be Steve Jobs, but she didn't really have the the idea or the product or the knowledge to build something that would be like an iPhone or an iPod. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It may be similar where, you know, as it gets um, further into the run, start to reveal a bit more about her real motivations and what she's really like. But yeah, we will stick with it. It was kind of interesting enough to to watch. And um, very good soundtrack as well. It's a lot of kind of like mid-2000s LCD sound system and a bit of mm. outcast and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's really, really, really good. So we'll stick with that and report back in, in weeks to come. But yeah, the dropout. Uh, I, I know it. that one of my... Friends from Lost is in the dropout. Uh, Naveen Andrews. Oh he's, yes, he played Saeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, albeit he's, he's not, uh, he's not all sexy and <laughs> dirty from the, from running through you know the jungle away from monsters and stuff. No, he's a bit, all a bit of a schlubby guy in this one. <laughs> I think he put on like ten kilos for it. I think. I he went, to, um, he went to three fast food joints in three days. And then had a bag of squashies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Very good. Um, any movies? I've, I've, well, I've only watched South Park telly-wise, and it was... Ooh, not good. It was the most derivative episode they've ever done. Uh, literally uh, recycling jokes from The Simpsons from 25 years ago. That's what I want in my South Park. Um, yeah, really, really poor, really poor episode. Uh, movie Guff, yes. So we continue plugging away at the Oscar movies. We are, as of tonight, just under three weeks away. Uh, and I have nine films left to watch. Oh. Three a week. That's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, and I've watched three this week, plus one new release. So we'll go through the Oscar movies uh, quickly. First is called Coda, Coda. Um, which I think is only nominated for one or two. I don't, I don't think it's a Best Picture nominee. I know it's nominated mm-hmm. for Best. Um, oh, it is. It's nominated for Best Picture, but also nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actor. Um, and, uh, yeah, CODA is, uh, CODA is a, an acronym for Child of Deaf Adults. Oh. And it is one of those teen dramas. I want to put in your head something like Fault in Our Stars, mm. um, you know, uh, but as far as those go, it's like a really good one. Okay. So I'm, I'm not saying that to disparage it. it. It is a very good film, but 
aside from a few things, like I think you know the the basic premise of the movie is that this this uh, girl who's the the primary character, she's the only hearing member of her family. Her brother's deaf. Her parents are both deaf. So she kind of gets it from both sides, right? In her family, she's she's almost not ostracized, but she's like isolated in the sense that she can hear and they can't. So they rely on her a lot, like over rely on her. And they're kind of insensitive to ironically, because they're deaf, you would think, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's almost a juxtaposition that they're kind of insensitive to her, the fact that she can hear. So they're all the time very loud. The parents are, you know, humping very loudly while she has like <laughs> a, a, a fellow student over, you know. But similarly, her, you know, but similarly, her family also, because of the fact that she can hear, obviously, that's something that they, you know, ha- clash about because she has aspirations yeah. to be like a singer. She wants to go to this music college. And obviously, the fact that they're deaf, they don't quite understand that, right? right. And they need her anyway because they, they have a, a fishing business that they run that is kind of struggling. But then, similarly, at school, she gets bullied because her family are deaf and she gets like, you know, pe- people mm. make fun of her because, oh, they do like deaf voice to her and mm, so yeah. on and so forth. Um, so she kind of gets from both sides through no fault of her own. Uh, the best thing about the film is the uh, performance of the father. Uh, get the actor's name here. He's, I think, one of the first, if not the first ever, uh, like deaf, non-hearing actor to be nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, his name is Troy Kotzer. He's like brilliant in it. He's he's easily the best thing about it. He's like super charismatic without ever vocally delivering a line. He's very expressive, very expressive face. Very, very funny guy. Um, but that being said, like I said, the, the film, while being very good, never, aside from his performance, never really is any more than a very good version of one of those teen mm. drama films. Yep. It's worth a watch, but I wouldn't say it's... I, I was surprised to, to see it getting nominated for, like, top picture uh, and the like. I just want to double-check that, that it was nominated for best picture. That seems mad to me. <laughs> That's it. I'm very much judging the film here. Uh, Academy Award. Let's find it here. Uh, yeah, best picture, best supporting actor, best adapted screenplay. Okay. I, I don't think it'll win. <laughs> I don't think it's going to win best picture. I think it's probably... W- the weakest one I've seen so far, mm. but it's um, it's it's a good three star film. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Secondly, I watched uh, a movie called Flea, which is up for best animated picture, I believe only. Um, and Flea is w- uh, one of the best genre combinations I've seen in a very long time. It is an animated documentary. Oh. Oh, um, it follows the story of a man who doesn't use his real name, a man called Amin, who is a Afghan refugee mm. um, who flees his country. And the story that he tells um, in what is itself an animated kind of talking head is then his story is then animated to give more kind of color to you. You're able to see you know, yeah. the actual events that he went through as he describes them. Uh, fleeing his country to move to Scandinavia uh, with the added 
complexity that he is also a gay man. Uh, so not only is he escaping from you know war, etc., but also he's 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 fear of being uh, rejected or persecuted for for that also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a Danish language film. Uh, you can see it's subtitled. It was um, produced by Riz Ahmed and Nikolai Koster Waldo of Game of Thrones fame. Oh yeah. Uh, really compelling story. Like one thing I I particularly like about films and TV shows. Obviously, I love when a film feels like a dream, feels like even better, it feels like a nightmare. But also, I love when a film can really take what you know from your life experiences and put you in the shoes of someone else who has a completely different life experience that mm. you might not, you know, might be aware of, but not might not actually have a proper perspective about how other lives go and work yeah um so i thought this was a really fascinating um look into like you know a refugee and how the refugee process works you know that mm-hmm. it's it's you know in, in, in a lot of countries you hear about immigration refugees and so on and you don't necessarily think so deeply on why a refugee might need to seek refuge from their country mm. but you know it's chalked up to oh war or it's chalked up to you know whatever the the way of mm. life and this is particularly obviously um precedent now with uh the situation in ukraine and russia mm. but i just thought it was really refreshing in a in, in a sense to be able to kind of realize that about myself that's like okay maybe not to be so flippant when you come up against these kind of stories and how refreshing it is to get a, a first-hand account of, you know, s- topics like human trafficking and yeah. seeking refuge in a new country where you have no family, no background. And the story, e- like, even though it's a real story, takes some really unexpected twists and turns. That I don't want to spoil here, but uh, there's some really harrowing stuff in there um, about, you know, being accepting of who you are yourself, um, things you need to hide about yourself just to be able to go forward in life. Uh, and there was one part that I thought was really uh, stuck with me was he said that, you know, because he was so young when he had to leave his homeland, that he's always on guard. Like his body mm-hmm. is always in a state of like fight or flight, right? Like hyper vigilance. And like, obviously, you can imagine physically how that feels when you get like a a shock or a scare and your body tenses up, that he's just always in that state, always living like that. And, you know, I just thought it was really, uh, that was a very powerful film. So that's called Flea, and it's up against the likes of Encanto and Luca (laughs) for Best Animated Picture. (laughs) It's actually up for Best Documentary as well. So while Encanto will probably sweep the the animated, hopefully it gets some recognition because i thought it was really good and then finally the eyes of tammy faye uh which i thought was a big old stinking pile of shite joe (laughs) oh no so i'm gonna caveat the eyes of tammy faye by saying that i'm not familiar with the tammy faye story um i don't know joe how familiar you are with the the character of tammy faye baker no idea no idea. So Tammy Faye is uh, still living, I believe. I don't think she's dead. No, she has. She did. She did. <laughs> she died in two thousand seven. 
Uh, Tammy Faye was a, a tele-evangelist, uh, along with her husband at the time, Jim Baker, who um, basically started from nothing, worked their way up to being one of the most prominent tele-evangelists in the USA, uh, before being found out to be big old frauds, big old money embezzlers. <laughs> who would have thought? I know. Um, and so, you know, the story itself is very interesting. Uh, what isn't, though, is the film, which uh, exists as no more than a two-hour excuse for Jessica Chastain to jump up and down and go, look at me, Oscar committee. Aren't I doing a good performance? Look at me. I'm Tammy Faye in this Tammy Faye movie that I'm also producing. Oh, yeah. I'm so good at acting. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the film has got absolutely nothing else going for it. And while I wouldn't say that, like, Chastain is bad in it, mm. I think I think it's true to say that she gives what I would call a big performance rather yeah. than a good performance. Um, I haven't, no, I haven't seen it. So this might be a, a very unfair comparison, but I, I, in my head, I would liken it to something like Jared Leto in house of Gucci, I don't know. where, where he's just like, Oh, look at me. I win Oscar, please. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this is the very definition of Oscar bait because, it's just Jessica Chastain doing this bigger, larger than life performance in a film mm. that, you know, if you're not familiar with the Tammy Faye story, and like I say, I think the Tammy Faye story itself is very fascinating, but the film doesn't make any sense as a film on its own two feet. Like it just jumps erratically along the timeline because it's right. a biopic. So it has to be a follow all the biopic tropes. Um, the makeup is ho- is horrible. So obviously, it's it, it got a nomination for best hair and makeup as well. Because mm. if there's one thing the Oscars love, it's really shit prosthetics and really shit makeup. So everyone looks like a chipmunk in it. With big, <laughs> big exaggerated cheeks. Um, they somehow made uh, Andrew Garfield, who, by the way, big Andrew Garfield fan. Mm-hmm. They made him look like 65 in this, even when he's supposed to be like a teenager. He looks really old. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, I just thought the film was really poor, really under-delivered given the cast, because like I said, it stars really good, like a really good cast. Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, Vincent D'Onofrio, three people who individually, I would say, yep, 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 like all of those, didn't like any of their performances, (laughs) any of them. Um, And yeah, I don't know, I I just found it really really transparent like i said first of all for what what i thought it was which was a completely run-of-the-mill film subterfuge as as oscar bait which has worked obviously because she did she not only got nominated but apparently she's the favorite to win oh god um i would say it's the most egregious case of that since um what's his name eddie redmayne sat in a wheelchair and went oh i'm stephen hawking (laughs) fancy giving me an oscar please thank you for the time he dressed up as a woman to. Uh, true, but I thought I thought he I at least thought that, that time, movie. Or did he win? No, he won for Hawking. He didn't win he for Danish Hawking. Girl. Okay. To be fair, I thought the Danish Girl was pretty good. Um, yeah. I agree that it it was very um, very cynical, very cynical. Not as cynical as the eyes of Tommy Faye. That's, yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty poor. I would not recommend it. I was checking my uh, letterbox.com slash Paul Griffin CSP review to see if there's anything I'm missing here. Uh, what else did I say about it? Um, no, that's pretty much everything. Uh, oh, the the one interesting part of the film, the one part of the film that I thought, okay, we got something here, 
is when it lead like the last 10 15 minutes is deals a little bit with like her downfall mm. and her fall from grace fall from fame but even that ultimately doesn't really go anywhere or have anything really to say there's one bit like the very very end of the film where she's doing like a because she's like a singer as well she does like a, a, a performance in this little ecw hall right and as she goes into the chorus the the curtain lifts up behind her and there's a, there's a big chorus and the american flag and i'm singing about jesus right but then it cuts and shows oh this is just in her head this isn't real this is just fantasy right. But then it continues with the choir. It goes, it shows the choir again and goes for like four minutes until the end of the movie. And all I could think was, wouldn't it have made more of an impact if you had shown the choir and the escalation and get bigger and bigger and da, da, and then at the end show, oh, this wasn't real. Because then you feel, oh, I, I've bought into it. Like I, I've gone along and I've realized, oh, this was, this was just fantasy. Instead, they just immediately show you I mean, I want, I want to say it's like Gone Girl, where they, they explain the, the, the mystery in the first 20 minutes of the film, and then what's the point of the rest of the film? A um, little bit like that. So yeah, Eyes of Tammy Faye, I would give it a big old thumbs down. I'd probably, I'd not only give it a thumbs down, I would crouch down and put my thumb to the ground. Oh, Jesus. That's how bad I give that. Sounds and bad. then we come to the most important film of the week. It's the Batman. Uh... The new reboot, yet another reboot of Batman. How many have we had now? Uh, uh, quite a few. Five? Fifth? <laughs> okay, well, you had Adam West in the 60s as one. Right. Then you had the Keaton, Keaton Keaton to Clooney. We'll call that one run. Yeah, Kilmer. And Kilmer in the middle. Keaton, Kilmer. It's, it's kind of debatable. It was Kilmer, Clooney... I would consider that one run. Yeah, because you just sort of replaced Kilmer. It was the same. Then you had the... So that's two. You had then the Nolan trilogy. You had Affleck. And then now now you have... Five, yeah. Now you have uh, old Patterson boy, um, Robert Pattinson. So I'll get get the uh, important stuff out of the way first. The Batman is three hours long. Brilliant. It stars Robert Pattinson, uh, Andy Serkis, Zoe Kravitz, Con Farrell, uh, our favorite Paul Dano or Paul Dano. Uh, so we've got a good old cast. Yeah. Um, everyone I've seen review it, apart from one, our mutual friend Marcus didn't didn't enjoy it at all. But pretty much everyone I, I've seen review it has given it in the range of like four stars. Mm. Which is exactly the score I gave it as well, Joe. Big old four stars. So I think the Batman is one of those films that's best seen with very little knowledge about what it's about. Now, mm. I don't, I'm not necessarily one of these people who subscribes to the fact that the plot of a film is a spoiler. I don't, I don't think that's the case. To the people who like, uh, hound down critics for saying what the plot of Doctor Strange 2 will be. You're spoiling the movie. Well, you know, I, I don't think the plot of the movie is necessarily a spoiler. Mm. Um, but in the case of Batman, I'm just like, I, I would happily talk about the plot, but just because I think for this movie, I think 
I went in with s- really zero knowledge, even of the plot. I knew Robin Pattinson is in it. Zoe Kravitz is in it. I knew the cast. I know Matt Reeves directed. I, I like Matt Reeves' previous films that I've seen. Uh, he did the Planet of the Apes movies, the new ones. Cloverfield. Um, so I'm a, I'm a fan of the director. And uh, so I said, look, I'm going to go see it. I'm gonna, and I'm going to see it early in, re- in relation to when it is released. So I'm just going to try to not know what it's about. I, I don't I don't know if I saw it. I probably did see a trailer for it, but I couldn't remember anything from a trailer either. Um, so I would recommend if you're going to see the Batman, try and go in as cold as possible. Um, all I'll say about it is, it is. Um, I thought it was a, a very refreshing take on the superhero genre as a whole. It's a lot less of a superhero film. Generally speaking, it's mm-hmm. a lot more of a kind of uh, detective noir, mm. which, as you know, right up my alley. I do love an old mystery. Um, you know, eventually it becomes a bit more conventional, like all superhero films have to. Yeah, I, I'm sure that was because of like pressure from the uh, the studio, but um. I was totally on board with it. One element of it, and this is nothing to do with the plot, so I think this will actually, actually, it kind of does, but it, 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 it's not nothing to do with the narrative of the film. It's more of a, a the- thematic thing. One of the elements of the film that I really liked the most was that I know that Batman has always been about, you know, he's the the superhero who uses like the shadows to his advantage, right? He's, he's hiding up in the shadows, and they look up and go, it's a Batman! And you see his little outline, he flies down or whatever, right? This film plays a lot more into the idea of kind of the performative aspect of being Batman. Um, like, the, the, uh, that the idea of Batman is worse than Batman actually is. And he mm. used that to his advantage and how, how he, like, acts. So there's lots of you just see like the the open doorway and blackness inside it and you hear the footsteps coming and you know it's batman coming and you see like mm, you don't even see him yet but the villains are like oh shit here come the batman <laughs> you know and i love i loved all that stuff so i i was totally on board with the film like 10 out of 10 on board with the film for most of it i'll say as i said towards the end there's there's a it dips its toe a little bit more into what you consider the conventional superhero stuff which i thought was the weakest part of the movie but overall story was great i thought the performance was all great it's got an excellent score excellent soundtrack great direction during some of the action i thought there was the the editing was a little choppy uh there's there's one um action set piece in particular i couldn't really follow what was happening was a little too choppy for me but uh, i was very impressed i think it's probably the best batman since the dark knight and is it even better maybe i will say for for two-thirds of it i i would have said yes um it maybe lacks the killer performance that ledger had in in um the dark knight but then also, it's not overpowered by having that. So it feels like mm-hmm. a more even film, I guess. I think Pattinson is probably my favorite Batman. Wow, okay. I think he gives a really um, 
like a youthful, like inexperience to the role. Because mm. it's it, it's not a spoiler to say because it's literally maybe the first in the first two lines of the movie. It's it's set in like it's not an origin story. It's like his second year as Batman. Um, so he has kind of not quite figured out yet entirely what it means to be Batman. And so he's figuring right. out that as he goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say any more about it because I know that it's a film that people are going to see. Uh, I'm interested to hear the the opinions as more and more people see it. I'm not sure overall if it's going to be a film that's mostly enjoyed by the Marvel fans of the world because it's very not one of those films. Mm. And if you're um, like me, a little bit um, exhausted of those kinds of films, I think it'll be refreshing to see a movie that is a little bit more adult oriented. It's definitely not one to bring the ten year old kids to. I would say it's a little bit more, little, little bit intense, but also that it, it's it's a much smarter film, and it's a film that um pays attention to the like very fine details of how each character is is portrayed and and drawn basically and if you pay attention to those i think you'll get an even better payoff in how the film wraps up and i'll say no more than that i gave an eight out of ten i would definitely definitely recommend it um and yeah there you go that's the batman very nice i think batman batman fans should be pleased well, I look forward to seeing that. Sounds good, and I, I do like Mr. Pattinson. And, uh, yeah, sounds really intriguing. He's re- he's really good at it, <laughs> as you might expect. Nice, nice. Um, one funny thing though is, you know, historically Batman actors have got very fucking ripped for the role, right? Yeah. Uh, they only ever shoot Pattinson's big muscly back, so I wonder if he only put the effort into the back and let the he had like an Eddie Kingston belly or something. I don't know. Because they only ever shoot is like muscly back. They never shoot him from the front. <laughs> sure is. I don't know why. I like the idea of a smaller. Like Keaton didn't get big. He was just no, and he's not enormous. Suit. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have yeah. like a abnormal sized Batman that's just uses a bit of brain and a bit of um, bit of brawn. Yeah, I think you'll be pleased with it. Uh, hopefully, I don't. I don't want to say you'll be pleased, then you see it and hate it. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I think Pattinson. Yeah, he never comes off as physically super imposing which is like i said why mm. he's, he's a bit more into the performative element of what it means to be batman um but also he's like when he's on screen with other people he is like five inches taller than them so i don't know if they mm. specifically made him tall as well you know <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i very 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 much enjoyed it anyway we'll talk a little bit about Les Jeux Video, because I have still be playing the video games. Uh, I'm, I hit the 10-hour mark in Pokemon Legends Arceus. Wow. Um, I must say, I'm still enjoying it. I haven't actually played it for a few days. Um, Natty's been, been playing it uh, on the Switch, because we're both playing it on her Switch. Even though we both own Switches, why did I play it on her Switch? I don't remember the logic for that. Um, we both have Nintendo Switches. Oh, because, well, I, we play it on, like, docked, set hooked up to the television, and we have a pro controller, so we play it with that. So I don't have it on my Switch. I only have it on hers. And she took it downstairs to play while she's minding the dogs, as is her job. Um, So I'm playing it, 
uh, 10 hours in, catching them all, as is the way with these Pokemon games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. Pokemon. And uh, I will say, 10 hours in, I did hit that first little feeling of, ooh, this is getting a little bit grindy. I feel like I'm not mm-hmm. making a lot of progress. I, I'm kind of s- spinning my wheels a little bit. And so I talked to Natty about that. And she was saying that, yeah, it's it's, a, it's probably a better idea to play through the like missions of the game. And then f- mm. after that, come back and uh, try and complete the Pokedex. Because I'm very much of, you know, the mindset of when I play a, a, an open world game, I'm very much, okay, I'm in this little area. Let, let me do everything in this area before I move on to the next one. <laughs> Which obviously, you know... There's lots to do in the area. There's rare Pokemon that only show up once mm-hmm. in a while. Mm-hmm. So eventually, if you play it that way, you're going to feel like you're, you know, grinding, <laughs> which ultimately I did feel like. Um, whereas if you play through the game, I only learned after I reached a second area that there's actually crossover of Pokemon from one area to the next. I thought that the, this Pokemon would only be in area one or whatever. But no, you go to area two, they're there as well. So... Um, it, 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 I don't think it's really worth my while to try and play it in the same way of do everything in area one and then go to area two. I'll just play through the game uh, and then whatever's, whatever gaps need to be filled in at the end, I'll go back and do. And I, I'm, I am enjoying it. I just think the, the, uh, the gameplay style that I apply to it is maybe not the one to do. Mm. And then speaking of everyone's favorite Cape Crusader... I started playing the new Batman game because it seemed like an appropriate time to do it. No, not not a new Batman game because it actually came out about seven years ago. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Batman Arkham Knight, which is the the third in the Rocksteady Batman series. Uh, the only one I never played because I did beat Arkham Asylum, which I absolutely adored. Excuse me. And I did beat Arkham City, which I didn't care for as much. I didn't think it was bad, but it changed a lot of its approach from Asylum, and I I, I prefer Asylum, and it's uh, it's clo- very small world that you kind of backtrack across. Arkham City blew it up into a... You can, now you can go in the whole city. And I, was like, oh. I liked when it was just in the little Asylum. Anyway, Arkham Knight is again set in the big city, but maybe this time, knowing what it is, I, I won't mind that so much. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the Batman Arkham games. I, I'm, I will say, generally speaking, I think they control very well. As Batman, you feel very powerful. Traversal through the world is very uh, quick and easy with the um, the Batman grappling hook that he has. So when you you know you're on floor level, you need to get to the top of that skyscraper. You're grapple, 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 glide, grapple, glide, grapple, and it's it's fun and it's easy to do. Uh, so traversal through the world is always good, except when you're in the Batmobile, which controls like a big old pile of shite. <laughs> um, so the problem with Gotham City in the game, and Gotham City in the game is a little bit more visually like the uh, Joel Schumacher Batman films, where mm. it's like a neon hellhole. <laughs> um, the problem is that the the city has all these little, like twisty roads, right? Like any modern big city, like like London, I guess. London is a bit more straight road like, like New York, but it's, it's like twisty roads and underpasses and overpasses and stuff. The problem is that the Batmobile goes very fast. So if you are going max down the Batmobile, you're just going to crash into the wall. 
So you're you're constantly, you know, when you're Batman, when you're controlling Batman, you're driving the Batmobile, you want to drive the Batmobile real fucking fast. Because that's cool. You're Bat- Batman in the Batmobile. Uh, but if you do that, you'll crash into a wall. You have to drive it slow. But who wants to play as Batman driving the Batmobile around like at 30 miles an hour? <laughs> that's not my idea well, of fun. a fun Batmobile driving. So it, it controls real heavy, real clunky. And then there's bits where it turns into like a tank and there's lots of the game is based around Batmobile tank battles and stuff, which I don't fully understand. But um, the little bit of it I've played so far, I will say that I, I am enjoying. Um, hmm. And since the new Batman movie was out, that that's why I picked to play it. I know that Guardians of the Galaxy, which Bat- Barry was very positive on, a few months ago, that is now on Game or I don't know if it's now on Game Pass, but it's on Game Pass very soon. But my idea was I'll play through Batman first and then and then Guardians of the Galaxy because I know Guardians was very well received. And I do, I do want to close out the, the Batman chapter because this is the third and final game that I never got mm. around to. But um, I did play yeah, uh, I did play the first one, Arkham Asylum, which is good. I love that. Apart from Asylum, the what yeah. was it the Riddler things you have to collect? Oh, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not I'm not hundred percenting. This isn't like Mario Sunshine or, or Odyssey. I can't remember if I ever did hundred percent it. I might have done, but um, that was. And then I started playing City Arkham City, but. Uh, I still didn't really get on with it. Was, uh, I was the so same. Like, so I gave up. What I loved about Asylum was it's it's kind of like I was talking about Metroid very recently. It's kind of like a Metroid game where mm. you you're unlocking more abilities that allow you to revisit the same location but access to a new area in it or access up here where you couldn't go before. Arkham City, the world just felt too big. I didn't want that to be an open world game after the way Asylum mm. was structured. And Arkham City is just like, oh, it's too big. I can't be bothered. Like. <laughs> Can't be bothered collecting stuff in this big giant world. Oh, Arkham Knight's a bit the same. So Arkham City, I just played through the main quest. I didn't do any side stuff, which I, I I've since been told was not the way to do it. Like you should you should do the side quest as well as the main stuff. But I just it just wasn't bothered. Yeah, I just wanted to beat it. So I was I was maybe a bit unfair to Arkham City. I'm I'm willing to hold my hands up and say I was not fair to it. But Arkham Knight, while I'm not going to collect all the Riddler stuff, because apparently. Uh, to your point about Arkham Asylum, Joe, apparently Arkham Knight is fucking mad with Riddler stuff to collect. Mm. There's like nine million Riddler things to collect in Arkham Knight, right? I'm not going to do any of that, but I will pay more attention to like the side quests and uh, in addition to the main quests. But I'm enjoying it so far. Nice. Um, I'll tell you what, before we go to the emails, Joe, I have a little, nice little uh, surprise for you. Oh. It is, I'm going to pilot a new spin-off quiz idea. Another right. quiz. So obviously, obviously it's just you playing. There's only going to be a little quick one, so don't worry. This isn't going to be uh, 15 rounds of uh, pointless. This is the first and possibly final edition, depending <laughs> on how it goes, of Dwayne Johnson Face Busters. What? Wait right. a minute. Wait a minute. This is innovation, so, folks. <laughs> yes. 12 years so after we invented We are playing. The rules are, it's Dwayne Johnson Busters, right? Right. But with the caveat being that the answers are wrestling moves. Oh. So they're either finishing moves or Ooh. finishing moves or uh, trademark moves, let's say. So it's not going to be 
uh, the answer is vertical suplex. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've tried to pick moves that you would know the move <laughs> at least. You know, I know all the moves. I know more than Excalibur, so yeah. it's fine. I will, I will, I will give you an extra clue that w- at least one of these moves were uh, employed on last night's pay per view. Okay. Ah, super kick. <laughs> Well, let's not spoil before I give you the clue. Okay. So there are I've only come up with three, because as I said, this is the pilot, right? Testing it out. So uh, if you can't get it after the clue, I'll give you uh, initials. Clue number one for the inaugural Dwayne Johnson face busters. All right, that Jamaican lad. Jamaican lad threw the heavy ball. Down the alley, I think you call it the lane, uh, and he couldn't knock all the skittles down. He did knock. He, he threw the he, threw the bowling ball. He might, I don't know why I called it heavy, but the bowling ball threw the bowling ball. Could not knock down all the skittles, but and I repeat, but he did get them on his second go. So that Jamaican lad threw the bowling ball, but did not knock down all the skittles. But on his second turn, he was able to knock down the remaining skittles, Joe. Well, getting getting them on a second go is a spare, I think. Right. And it's if it's a Jamaican lad, it's sort of uh, oh, despair. Um, I, I don't nice. know of a wrestling move called oh, despair. Mm. I think I'm going to need the initial. Joe, the initial is S. Oh! Spear. He he hit the spear. He got the spear, man. <laughs> That's the correct answer, Joe. Spear. Oh, spear. God. He got the spear. Oh. Roman Reigns hit the spear on... Jesus. Seth Rollins. All right, well, I think we've had enough. Of okay, enough of the accents now. We're going to the, the right side of the line. Okay, so you're one for one. Number two. God. Right, we're watching RuPaul. Oh, here we go. As I do on a weekly basis, but I've been given blood at the doctor again, like I did the other week, and I'm feeling a bit woozy. Ooh, boy. What's that one? We're watching RuPaul. RuPaul's on the TV in a nice dress. But I've been given blood and I'm feeling a bit woozy. Oh, God. I was thinking something like, I was thinking arm drag. I'm not sure that doesn't quite work with the wooziness. That's the only problem. But I think I definitely drag. It's got to be some kind of drag, but I don't know what the injection is. Right. So you might have to give me the initial. Okay, the initial for that is DS. DS. So we're watching RuPaul. Watching. On the telly. On the telly. Oh, yeah, on the telly. On on the telly. But, ooh, I'm giving blood, and I find it difficult to keep my eyes open, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Dragon Sleeper. It is the drag on sleeper. Drag on 
sleeper. Dra- drag on the telly. Drag on telly. Sleeper. Drag on telly. Drag on and I'm oof, giving blood, and I'm feeling a bit. I'm a sleepy boy. <laughs> Okay. okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Okay. Not bad, it's two out of two. All right, the last one is, uh, oh, excuse me, Mr. Uh, unspecified Body of Water. Uh, can I shoot a question at you here? Have you got a monster living in you, or what? I know, Jared, there's a lot to that. Take it in. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give, give you that one again. Excuse me, Mr. Body of Water, which I'm yeah. not saying what you are specifically for some reason. Yeah. Is there a monster of some kind living in you or what? Uh, it's, it's some kind of lock. Okay. It's either, I was thinking, headlock. No, knee lock, any any monster lock, uh, <laughs> arm lock. What other kind of locks? Shoulder lock. Nah, it's a kind of lock, but I can't get it from the. Uh, give me the initials. A L. What's got uh, ankle lock? Mm. No. Excuse, excuse me, Mister. Lock. Well, you got that so far. You got that much. I'll give you that. <laughs> I need to uh, get an information from you. I need to shoot you a question, if you don't mind. The question is now of very little importance because you worked out the lock part. Right. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm trying to trying to shoot a question at the lock. What am I doing? I'm a ask lock. Ask lock. Ah. <laughs> I will tell. I'll give you a clue on this one, Joe. Because on. I, I, with spear and dragon sleeper, they're a bit more generic. This is specific. Has, has a wrestler's name in in the title. Wrestler's name in the title. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you were very close in what you last said. Not not the arse one before that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a wrestler do an arse lock. I would like to. Mr. Mr. Ass. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, who more wrestlers has a lock named after himself? Him or herself. Yes. Or herself. I can't. I'm struggling. I am struggling. Yeah. She, Think very literally about what it is. What you're what what are you doing? You asking, are, ask ask a lock. Ask a lock is the correct oh, answer, Joe. I've never heard of that old in my life. It's her it's her like chicken wing. Thing also, she hasn't been on telly in about I know. Yeah. True. Of course she existed. It, it's it, she, it's when she swings them around and puts them in like a crossface chicken wing and gets the hooks in. Of course. Oh, okay, I remember the, that, yeah. The ask a ask a lock was the correct answer. So you, you you eventually got three for three, Joe. So that's our little uh, new spin on Dwayne Johnson Busters since we ran out of wrestlers to do. Yeah, that's not Now bad. we have a whole new world of things we can make clues about. That's not bad, yeah. It's trickier for some reason. I don't know why, but... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's, no, that, that's why we pilot it. You might need to pick a... 
a more common move, at least. I, that's why I threw Askelok in because I knew it was very specific. Whereas Spear and Dragon Sleeper are a yeah, bit more, yeah, a bit more obvious. That was good. Right. Was good. Just, we'll just go to emails. Let's do some emails. Go to our emails. Uh, do you have one? I've open? got one. I've got one here from Scott McAvoy. <laughs> he oh. says, "Subject: Good laugh last week. Good evening, Joe. I have to admit, I got a good laugh of Paul last week. He's been." Mm-hmm. He spent a good five minutes complaining about AEW calling it a battle royal instead. Sorry, a battle royale. Instead so you, you of, accidentally called it the right name, Joe. For I know. I, yeah, can't help it. A battle royale <laughs> instead of a battle royal. And mm. all I could think of is this is coming from a guy who pronounces film. Oh, fuck's sake. As film. Uh, eat my excrement, Scott. It's not really. Eat, eat devour my shit. With it's that. not. It's not pronunciation. Royale and royal are different words. They're spelled differently. <laughs> Royale. And fi- film and film. Okay, fair enough. That's that's my accent. That's not... I don't think they're called films. I don't think Tony Khan is calling it a royale because of his accent. Although, I don't want to be prejudiced. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, Scott goes on to say, so far, AEW has done pay-per-views on a quarterly basis. Do you think... They plan on expanding to every other month if their pay-per-views do well financially. Um, I think they could do one every two months. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, I, th- I feel like two months is a decent length of time between pay-per-views. I sometimes think the, the three months is a bit long. It does yeah. feel like a bit of a drag to the next one. So I wouldn't mind every every two months. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they want to rush to it because it... It does. It does kill the specialness. I think it makes sense where they are as a company that they do the limited number and they do like the special dynamites. Because obviously, when you have a big match on the on the St. Paddy's Day Slam, mm. uh, you maybe get a little bump for that while dynamite is being established. Although it really is by now established as a show. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be it would be better to have. Maybe six pay-per-views, although not as good for my wallet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, six, six a year, and less of the special dynamites, and keep dynamite, dynamite. Because again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, a nitpicker, which I know I am, but too many of the special dynamites. I'm just like, Ugh, what? Especially when they do that run where they do, um, like Fighter Fest Night One, Fighter Fest Night Two. Beach Blast, and they're all like in a row, and I'm like, mm. what? What is anything anymore? Everything is just a branded version of Dynamite, so nothing, nothing feels special. We do every two weeks a new, just yeah. a diff- different Dynamite. Just have Dynamite be Dynamite, and do your six pay per views like it used to be in the good old days, mm. right? Yeah, he um, he goes on to say, I'm still very confused by the reviews you give AEW. Last week, the Battle Royal slash Royale was panned. Buddy Murphy was given a thumbs down. Dark Pentagon wasn't like. Adam Cole feuds were crap. And the Wardlow turn was disappointing. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if they're running out of steam. Well, we'll get to the pay-per-view review, obviously. I don't know if we if we were negative on all those things. I thought the, Some the, of them, battle, the Battle Royal, I thought we said, was okay. Like I thought it was yeah. well-structured. But Battle Royals are Battle Royals. AW or anyone else, a Battle Royal is only going to be as good as a Battle Royal could be. Um, I don't think we said the, uh, the Adam Cole feud, Hangman feud was underwhelming, which I think we did. It's true. It wasn't as good. So but two of the other feuds they're doing have been hot shit. 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't remember the Wardlow turn being disappointing because that certainly wasn't it delivered. Well, not at the pay for you, it wasn't. But I think in general, it's just it feels a bit drawn out, which is um, for, for better or worse. I think. Bit, but no, I think I think it's they they do a lot of things and they give people a lot of freedom, and I think inevitably that leads to you know a lot of stuff's gonna not not gonna work. But then the stuff that does work works really really well, and that's why it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, whereas some other companies that we won't mention. Literally nothing is worth watching because it's all a load of shite. Um, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is when you're passionate about something, like, I, like I'm, I'm wearing my an AW t-shirt at this very second. Mm. You're you're going to be critical about the bits of it that you you think, oh, that could have been a bit better, or yeah. you know. I don't think that's a reflection of the show overall. And maybe we're guilty of that. I think I said, I don't know what I was talking about recently. Where I said, you know, maybe we're guilty sometimes of being a bit flippant or a bit, you know, uh, taking the show for granted, given yeah, yeah. that two years ago we didn't, ha- or three years ago we didn't have Dynamite. We just had, I was, I was watching NXT still, and we had, uh, now we have CM Punk and Brian Dynason and Moxley and all the boys in one show. Yeah, maybe we take it a bit for granted. But, you know, if, if, if we just every week were like, Dynamite was brilliant, we love Dynamite, like what would be worth listening to us talk about wrestling for if we were mm. just overly positive about everything you know um as you will hear when we talk about the pay-per-view <laughs> which would be a little bit like that um i think i haven't spoken to joe yet about the pay-per-view but i think we're going to be mostly positive on it mm. um but at the same time as with anything i i i really like the batman <laughs> as i just talked about but some elements of it i wasn't hot on but that doesn't mean it was bad or that you know, the the franchise ran out of steam. Yep. Uh, he also gives us a wrestler pick one, um, okay. which I think will be fairly straightforward, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Steen, slash Owens, uh, Adam Cole, or Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Brian Danielson. I think Kevin Owens is good, and he's had some good stuff, but he's kind of been stuck in the WWE quagmire for too long really i think he'd be a close second for me yeah and when i say close i mean it's not that close but i think he'd be second adam cole i do like but i don't like I don't his know. and we'll get to this in a minute his uh mid-match uh am- amateur dramatics dialogue is <laughs> the worst part of adam cole <laughs> but we'll get I, to that. I, I like adam cole and it was a very very exciting when he debuted for aw mm. but I don't know. Something that something about him has not gelled entirely quite yet, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my email from Scott. All right, I have an email from, let me just read this quickly, Scoot McEvoy. Uh, sorry about my pronunciation. Apparently, I'm a fucking hick or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm a passive-aggressive boy tonight. No, of course. Of course, I... Tonight says that question mark. He needs to hold up the big question mark. Of course, I love you, Scott, and I love you, uh, Natty, as well. Um, Scott says, "Good evening, Paul." He says, "Movie length problems." Uh, I think part of the problem with the length of movies. Uh, I notice he takes very careful care to write movies instead of films, so as mm-hmm. not to uh, embarrass me. Um, part of the problem with the length of movies depends on if you're watching it in a theater or if you're watching it at home. Three hours in the theater can lead you to missing some of the movie if you have to get up to use the restroom. 
Rookie mistake, Scott. I haven't pissed during a movie in about 20 years. I have the bladder of, uh, I don't know, what, what's got a big bladder? A cat, well, yeah. I can go days without pissing at this stage. Um, shit every two seconds, though, really. Um, or... <laughs> oh, there goes another one. Um, or if the people around you become a distraction. Yeah, well, that actually happened during the Batman. As soon as the film started... Uh, lady in front of us, phone on full brightness. Oh uh, God! Texting very slowly. I I was about to get up because you know, you know how the Paul Griffin works. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother got up and shouted at her, <laughs> which I was very proud of. It. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah. If you're watching, if you're watching in the theater, watching at home, three hours in the theater can lead you to missing some of the movie if you have to get up to use the restroom or if the people around you become a distraction. Whereas three hours at home, you have the option of just hitting pause to get your dinner order delivery and coming back without missing anything. Uh, that is true. He says, granted, there are some movies you could <laughs> granted. There are some movies you could go out to McDonald's in the middle of the movie and not miss anything. So the quality of the movie has to be taken into account. Uh, well, I'm not going to be doing four days in a row, Scott, so don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it interesting that people are much more likely to complain the movie is too long than, than too short. With a film that is too short, people can't wait for the sequel. When it's too long, you rarely hear people say they can't wait for another three-hour movie. I guess the always-leave-them-wanting-more motto of Hollywood is pretty accurate. I mean, I think that's true. Uh, I'm definitely interested in another Batman, and apparently they, they are on the way. Um so I, I'm looking forward to another three-hour movie uh, in this case. And yeah, to, to your point, I guess the quality of the movie is taken into account. I think we talked about this last week. Oh, this is what we were talking about, by the way, when we said to not get um, you know, complacent about long movies equal bad, because mm. uh, it's not necessarily always the case. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on how you use your time. Because I watched now... Two weeks in a row, I've watched a, a three-hour film. I watched uh, Drive My Car last week, which is one of the Oscar nominees, which is two two hours, 57 minutes. Uh, similarly, great. Nine out of 10 movie this week, eight out of 10 movie. So the, you know, the length was not an issue for either of those. Uh, whereas uh, Tammy Faye, two hours, five minutes or whatever, Ooh, felt like I was watching it for an eternity, mate. Couldn't wait for that to end. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think our complaints about long movies are specific to uh, Marvel films because the based on the content of those films, they feel like they could be condensed to a tight two hours. I think that's mostly where our issues come from. Um, so I think we, I think we can finally move on from from that complaint. I think we've made that enough. I think we got to the bottom of it. And I think we've established now, me at least, based on the last two weeks, that, you know, long isn't always bad. Yeah. Uh, Scott has a pick one movie year edition. And I I think we're going to be, there's going to be a little bias in here, Joe, because two of these years are our birth years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we got 1984, we got 1985. And we've got 1988. Um, I think 1984 was a particularly good year. Um, oh, you do? <laughs> just based on my obviously looking up what was the top films when I was born. Okay. You had um, Ghostbusters. 
Actually, let me right. top top grossing. Let me Google top grossing films. Uh, so nineteen eighty four, you have Ghostbusters, oh, obviously, Gremlins, Indiana Jones, and Temple of Doom. Actually, that was yeah. Karate Kid. <laughs> I love Temple of Doom. Karate Kid. Karate Kids. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Uh, the Terminator, the best oh, film in the Terminator franchise. Hell yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Another banger. Sudden Impact. Uh, Return of Godzilla, 1984. Um, Nozka The Valley of the Wind, which is a pre-Studio Ghibli mm. uh, Hayao Miyazaki film, which is great. Uh, let's see. Let's have a little bit look into 1985. You've got The Color Purple. You've got uh, Police Story, Reanimator, Commando, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, Joe, oh. uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, oh, less said about that the better, View to a Kill, Witness, some good films in there. Mm. Um, in 88, you said. Yeah, 88. Naked Gun, the first one, They Live, uh, mm. Land Before Time, Cinema Paradiso, Acura, Die Hard, Grave of the Fireflies, My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Oliver and Company. That might be the one that pushes it over uh, the limits. Well, I've got an amazing nine four-star or more movies in 1988. Oh, really? Go on. So, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Rain yeah. Man, A Fish Called Wanda, Twins, The Vanishing, Coming to America, Big, Die Hard, and Scrooged. Uh, so that's pretty yeah. compelling. So I'll probably go, I'm going to go 1988. I'll go 88 as well. A very good year. Uh, it was a very good year. Someone was born in 88 as well. It was this guy right here. Michelle, happy birthday. Ah, uh, a couple yeah. of 88 babies, the two of us. I know she's she's got me beat by a few months, to be fair. Yeah. Two 88 kids. Anyway, thank you, Scott, for your email. And for reminding me that I pronounce film as film <laughs> yet again. <laughs> Nailed the cuff. I'm dead. Okay. Now has come to time, Joe. We've got one entry on our wrestling guff run sheet. Yep. It's the pape, as I believe they call it in the biz. Uh, question one Did you watch the pre show? Oh, yes. All of it. All of it. Yeah, so, so did I. So let's uh, run through it. So first up was Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. Layla Hirsch, and I, I must say, I, I, I noticed this. I saw Barry tweeting about it earlier, but I did notice the Russia flag on her gear. Oh, it was very prominent. More so, than which I thought was a yeah, an interesting choice. I guess. Yeah, because she doesn't normally. Have it. Or does she? Maybe we just she never. Does. I think she has like some red, yeah, like A flat like, or red, white, and blue, but it was very prominent. So I don't know if that's by choice or by her choice or trying to heal her mm. up, but yeah, it was strange. Um, also, the feud was strange because Chris Statlander was like having a go at her for being an orphan or something, but I thought she's supposed <laughs> to be the baby face. I don't know what's going on. Very confusing. She is supposed to be the baby face. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know. AW historically have uh, murky waters when it comes to their women being baby faces or heels. Mm. But um, I thought the match itself over delivered. I thought it was quite good. Oh yeah, very good, very good. Um, uh, d- too distracted though by the absence of the hard cam. I was like, 
too worried that they, it was going to be down for the whole sh- the whole show and there was just going to be handheld cameras the whole time. Oh, I didn't notice you that. Didn't notice that. that. Yeah, no. they, it was all handheld cameras. It looked like a PWG show or a Ring of I Honor. I, I didn't notice that. I got to say. So yeah, but then they they fixed it straight after. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah, good good match. Yeah. Um, then we had Kenny Omega's music play. I hear the battle cry. Uh, but Kenny Omega did not come out, Joe. No. It was Don Callis. It was Mr. Don Callis, yeah. Who I had just been talking about earlier that day that I, I missed him. Really? Yeah, but I kind of missed him being with Kenny Omega. I didn't want him to come out on his own. Uh, and then he came out and kind of cut a promo about nothing. Like, I, I didn't get what um, it was leading to, really. He just did his heel shtick. Well, there's a bit of dissension in the ranks with uh, the elite. I think he was hinting at that. Maybe. So I think maybe Omega comes back. I think fairly soon. I think if they're, if they're bringing out Don, Callus. then Omega won't be far behind. Sooner than later. Yeah. And it'll maybe be a kind of, well, Adam Cole couldn't get the job done, so. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kenny's coming back. Daddy's home. <laughs> um, and then finally we had, or not finally, we had Hulk against QT Marshall. Uh, only four and a, four and a half minutes long. Felt longer than that, I gotta think. Yeah, if not like, not in a bad way. No, it did feel like a substantial match. Um, yeah, it was good. It was you know hook hook stuff. Hook stuff got that red robe on for the finish. Yeah, chucked uh, chucked your cutie around and also sold a bit, which I thought was it's kind of the first we've really seen of of the selling yeah. from the hook boy. Yeah, he hasn't sold a lot, but it was uh, yeah, it was a good little. Good little it was match. good. He moves. He moves well in the he's, ring. I think he's slinky. He's like, yeah, yeah, but he's like slick about it. I think you know for for that early into his career, I think that's a very good foundation to have to build on. Yeah, absolutely. As you know, one thing I say a lot about people, I mean, Jade Cargill in particular, I think she had a good night as well. We'll get to that, but that sometimes she you can see in her in her eyes that she's she's thinking of the next step to come. You know, I don't really get mm. that as much with Hook, he's very, uh, very Natu- good at naturally fluid, yes. Uh, and then we had the House of Black against Death Triangle and Big Eric Redbeard. Uh, in a match that, speaking of over-delivering, my God, what a fun match this was. Tremendous, wasn't it? It was yeah. great. Redbeard was good. He was, although sometimes he'd lift up his leg and he'd get it at about belly button height for ah, to kick well. someone in the face. But uh, he's a big old boy. No, I thought, I thought they were all good. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really get what they're doing. Alex Abrahantas, he came out with the, the Wolfpack Sting face paint on. Oh, he's um, and and the uh, higher power Vince McMahon cloak. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's a bit too silly for me. Like, is that, is that supposed to be? It's not supposed to be funny, but it is funny. It is a bit funny. It's just um, like it's silly. So, yeah, and you know, I don't dislike Penta Oscuro, but you know, to the point mm. from the email, I think that. The, the the transformation to Oscuro has has been a bit, little bit lost in the whole uh, House of Black emergence with the Buddy Murphy debut. Mm. Um, just too many things happening at once, and none of them 
feels like it's standing out as a result, I think. But this match was excellent. Um, one of the best matches on the on the night. Uh, and unfortunately, Redbeard was there to eat the pin. So I don't know if we're going to see more of him going forward. Um, but he did get misted, and that led into a um, big fire thunder driver from Brody King for the win. And what was a really balls-to-the-wall, high-paced, 18-and-a-half-minute sprint, <laughs> which... Ooh. Which you gotta love. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, then we got the show started proper. We opened with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. While you're reading your book, Joe. <laughs> uh, again, very good match. Very um, intense. Very intense. Very hard hitting. Physical. It's yeah. like old old Japan. Drop him on his head and his neck, brother, until, until the head comes off. It's kind of yeah. I mean, Jesus, the first move of the match was Kingston dumping Jericho on his head with a yeah. half Nelson suplex, <laughs> which I was like, oh my god, he's killed him. He killed him, brother. Yeah. Um, I saw someone write review on Reddit, and they're like, they're not an AW watcher. And they said something like, I heard these indie boys were dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> what? Fair enough. Um, God. No, that, that just seemed to be very much the style of the match. It was very, yeah. very explosive. Um, Jericho brought out the big, big Hurricane Rana off the top, uh, exposed the turnbuckle, mm-hmm. Lion Salts. I mean, Jericho, I got to say, I think he had a good night. I think he looked good. Yeah. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. I think Jericho, his best showing in a little while. Um, and he's he's in the best shape he's been in, in in a while. I don't, you know, I don't want to put one and one together and get three here, but uh, he had a very good night. Yeah, he looked motivated and he really put him over as well. I wasn't 100% sure if Eddie was going to win. I thought he should. Given yeah. the promos, I thought he, he really needed to, but yeah he did and, he looked- and given the fact that Eddie has lost he's lost almost lot. every every pay-per-view match he's yeah. had yeah yeah so kudos to Jericho doing the right thing yeah um after the match Kingston put out his hand as per the match stipulation if if Eddie won Jericho would shake his hand and say I respect you Booker man uh but the handshake was not reciprocated and Jericho retreated mm. very bold boy Jericho so Jericho, uh, I don't know. Obviously, they've been teasing more of a, a heelish Jericho lately, but it seems like this really emphasized that. Uh, Kingston, the, the the big baby face and Jericho the heel. Uh, we then had the world tag team titles on the line. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, who do not go by Jurassic Express anymore, even though Excalibur called them that on one of the recent shows. Yeah. Uh, I guess Red Dragon and the Young Bizzles. Uh, with Nick Jackson with an absolutely ridiculous uh, goatee beard. Um, and again, this was, this was, yeah, <laughs> this is very much like the uh, pre-show six man. This was just action, action, action. Yeah. Kind of wild. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have still preferred like a two on two with the bucks in there. Um, I, hope, well, I assume we'll get that with red dragon. Uh, mm. Maybe on Dynamite, maybe the next pay-per-view, but yeah. Uh, did, didn't disappoint. I was surprised again that the titles didn't change hands, though. I thought, maybe... Yeah, I I, I, I got to say, it is it is one of my pet peeves when 
a pay-per-view comes along and no titles change at hand. Uh, which it was the case on this show, yeah. unfortunately. Not that the show wasn't newsworthy in other ways, but I kind of feel like when you you know, you pay your money, you get one title change at least. Come on. Mm. And uh, for sure there should have been one, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus got the win with their absolutely fantastic finishing move, the Thoracic Express, which is the, uh, the belly back suplex flipped over into a powerbomb. Uh, lots of very good near falls in this one. Mm. Uh, breaking up pins with shooting star presses, breaking up pins with 450 splashes and the like. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly hit a rebound lariat between the, the bottom and middle rope, which is mm. very funny as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of good performances. I think everybody looked good in this one. Although this was the match where I noticed that Jungle Boy doesn't wear a loincloth anymore and probably hasn't for about a year. <laughs> but I was like, wait a minute. Where's the loincloth gone? Is it under the bed with the sunglasses? Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe he didn't have his loincloth. He still got the little jungle boots on. But no loincloth. Anyway. Uh, we then had the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, which, again, I thought was great. I really enjoyed it. And I you know, I don't really like ladder matches that much. But I know. As I always say. But it's, I like that they leaned into the comedy. A lot of kind of comedy spots in it. Um, yeah. Which made it very funny, you know, with Orange Cassidy uh, in particular, uh, doing the pull-ups on the ladder and, and such. <laughs> They've got the contrast between he, the big boys. in the cat and then ended up on top of it and tried to grab the... Yeah, very good ring. stuff. So, yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the greatest ladder match, but I thought it was very fun and uh, executed well. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot, a lot of ladder matches go for innovation and brutality in equal parts, I guess. This one mm. felt a lot more innovative in the sense of trying to win the match as opposed to it being a spot where someone lands on mm. a ladder real badly from a weird position. This <laughs> yeah. was just like, okay, to the, the example you used, the two big guys were holding the ladder and Orange Cassidy, having just done the Terry Funk whirlybird, was hanging onto it, skins the cat to the top of it, and suddenly he's there to grab the thing. You know, spots mm. like that, that. There's lots of stuff in that that was that were very clever. Um, apparently... Uh, Orange Cassidy got hurt on the Uncle Phil throw to the outside <laughs> um, because we did have the Danhausen spot late in the match and Orange Cassidy was nowhere to be seen at that uh, stage. Yeah. I don't know if that struck you as weird when that happened. Yeah. I... Yeah, apparently Cassidy got hurt there um, and then disappeared from the match for the rest of the match. Because we did get the Danhausen spot, but it wasn't in relation to any... Apparently, Orange Cassidy was supposed to have still been around at that stage. Um, which is unfortunate because, uh, you know, the, the Orange Cassidy spot was just big throw to the outside, and there was mm. two or three people there to catch him, and Cassidy just <laughs> flew too far uh, through no fault of his own. Uh, but that was apparently a thing. Um, yeah, lots of uh, very good spots. I, I liked when Wardlow bumped... Uh, Keith Lee and, and Powerhouse Hobbs off the off the stage through the tables. Uh, Wardlow, I thought, was the star of the show. Not that he put in a better performance than anybody else, because I think everybody was good, but he was the one the crowd wanted to see win. And lo and behold, he did um, murdering Ricky Starks with a power bomb onto a ladder. Uh, very good, very good for Wardlow. Crowd, a crowd, very into. Him. Yeah. Uh, Tony Schiavone was out next with a uh, 
contract with Swerve written on it, which you could see before he even introduced what was happening. <laughs> uh, Shane Strickland debuted, signed the contract, had a little bit of interaction with the crowd. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Um, Strickland, and I don't want to turn this into a WWE uh, bashing session, but... But... But I'm gonna. Um, I mean, Strickland came out and just absolutely gave off the aura of being a star. Mm. Just the way he carries himself. Do you know the way some people when they come out, whether they have a you know a looseness or just a, they're at ease with what they're doing and the way they present themselves. He just came off like, oh my god, this guy's totally a star. And you look at WWE and like you can't do anything with this guy. You want Keith Lee to be a bear? What? Like, but they have like a Madcap Moss on every week, or almost. Like, come on, because he's a big tall fella. Like, ah, oh, lad, you can't do anything with Shane Strickland. He's fucking charisma coming out of his hole. <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, I've never seen him before. I don't think so. I never watched NXT. Um, yeah. But yeah, in this brief appearance, I thought very charismatic. Very, yeah. very good. He's a good wrestler. <laughs> I've seen him twice, I think, in mm. Dublin at the OTT shows. He's very good. He's very charismatic. He's he's one of those guys who, um, you know, his entrance alone, he's got a real connection with the, the fans. And, you know, if you have the fans on your side before the match even begins, mm. uh, and I'm not saying, like, then you're more likely to win the match. Like, obviously, it, it, you know, I'm talking about from the point of view of getting over, as they say in the biz, if your entrance alone gets you there before you've even started wrestling, I think you've you've got something. Yeah. Um, we then had Jade Cargill and Take Conti, which I thought Jade looked really good in this one. Um, I, yeah, I'm surprised a lot better than the last few matches. Um, yeah. Doing a lot of stuff, doing it quite, you know, executing it well, very fluid. Yeah, I will say I, I particularly like her out of control like power slam she does mm. i think that could be that's like a better move than her actual finisher the beth phoenix uh glam slam yeah but uh ty conti i gotta say uh i don't know a little bit overrated <laughs> she might be. i don't know i i it's 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 just been a little while since i've been really impressed fair enough by conti uh also I mean, it's my nit pick of the week. What the fuck are you doing, Tony Khan? Um, here's my issue with uh, not only the pay-per-view, but on, I want to say Dynamite Rampage. I don't remember which one it was during the week. Uh, Jade was doing an interview, and Ty Conte came up. Or no, J- Anna Jay came up, excuse me. I was like, Jade, you think you're all that in a bag of chips? Anyway, look at that. And then Ty Conte like, jumped her from behind, gave her a big kick or whatever. Yeah. And then on this match, uh, you know, Ty Conti's doing her best to win the title or whatever. Uh, rest distracted. Anna Jay hits uh, Jade with a chair in the head. Sorry. Who's the heel in this match? <laughs> yeah. Why are the baby faces yeah. cheating and using Dang, weapons on the heel? To w- what is happening? Two, and then it sneak attacks on the interview segment on Dynamite. Like, do you want me to cheer Jade? Like, why would I cheer for these people who are who are cheating and sucker punching people? Yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. 
No, I'm not. I'm not going for that. I'm not going. Fuck for it. I was going to cheer for Jade anyway. So. <laughs> well, she came out as a Mortal Kombat character. I was awesome. like, oh, she gonna win. Uh, yeah. So she deservedly won. She looked good in doing so. And then came time for the dog collar match, the match everyone wanted to see. CM Punk MJF. Uh, it was pretty flawless. I gotta say, that was excellent. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was good. MJF didn't bleed though. He did a little bit. Well, did oh, a little bit. I didn't see it. I've had nosebleeds worse than that. <laughs> I got to say, when when I forget what spot they did when he did the little gig ski, because they did, you know, the the camera. Mm. Oh, look over there for a second. Um, I, I noticed it, but I was I, when when it was happening, I was like, right, given that the match is happening, given that CM Punk has already got the all crimson mask on, MJF needs to do. Doesn't happen often. He needs to do the coast to coast gig. Big boy blade job. The, fr- well, from from the 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 left side of the hairline to the right side, the entire forehead, <laughs> coast to coast, like Shane McMahon. And yeah, he had a little. I think he was just down one side of his face. So what, he didn't quite have the um, the CM Punk or or Moxie yeah, later. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought. I thought. Uh, no well, first, he's no Ric Flair. That's all I'm saying. No, 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 no. He, he didn't. Uh... Ric Flair would have bladed his ass. <laughs> he would have sold it. He would. Have, he would have bladed his ass. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess no one has um, smartened uh, MJF up to how to hit someone with a chain either, because he's a fucking beat CM Punk across the back with it like he's hitting him with. A strap, yeah. Whereas, do you know what we've seen in like even the Cody Brody match mm. when they're doing with a the chain, they do like a a limp almost. Mm. MJF was just with the chain. He had the marks across the CM Punk's back immediately. Jesus. Also, before we even start, before he returned on, on the last dance, we talked, or not before he returned, but soon after he returned, we talked about. CM Punk going to wear the short tights mm-hmm. or he's going to wear them baggy basketball shorts. Well, it took six months, but he brought him back. He got him back. It's great. Um, it's great. And he came, his old music as well, the AFI music. Nice little uh, Ring of Honor callback. Mm. Very, uh, very cool. Timely as well. Um, no, I thought the match was really, really great. Lots of little callbacks. Uh, CM Punk brought out the Anaconda Vice for the first time in a while. Um, they used the chain pretty uh, cleverly, I thought. Wrapping the knee, wrapping the elbow, stuff like that. Uh, MJF at one point did get trapped in the ropes and couldn't figure out how to undo himself. Mm. Um, that was only a very slight thing. Uh, and then, the most important part of the match, MJF <sighs> he has CM Punk down, but he needs to put him away. He can't put him away. Mm. He, he beckons Wardlow out to ring. <gasps> This is war. Out comes Wardlow in just looking as dapper as fuck. Out comes. Gives that ring, mate, says MJF. MJF. Wardlow's looking for it. He said, oh, hang on. I don't know where the fuck it's gone, mate. I don't know where it's gone. CM Punk knocks down MJF, whatever. Wardlow says, oh. It was in this pocket all along. <laughs> this is where it was. Oh, I found oh. it now. Now that I'm just not here, I found it. Oh, it's there. Sorry, mate. Oh, wah, wah. Got it. <laughs> looks, looks CM Punk in the eye. Puts us down on the ring. Off I go. And then he's gone. 
again, I just want to I just want to mention a little bit of positivity. That was perfectly done yeah. by Wardlow. It, it, perfect. Sometimes I know there'd be a segment where I'd say, mm, actually, uh, I would have d- mm, mm, done it this way. No, it was it was perfect. It was perfect. MGF uh, then gets blasted with the ring and gets pinned, obviously. Um, very good. Loved it. Loved the uh, Wardlow. I hesitate to call it the full turn, but I no, loved it. It wasn't, it wasn't like a... You know, the, the old thumbs mm, with Batista. You, yeah, we're halfway um, there. Yeah, I think, there'll, yeah, obviously there'll be something else. I, yeah, I, I really liked that. And the match was good. I didn't really like the thumbtacks. I'm going to be honest. My nitpick. I associate sure. thumbtacks with TNA hardcore matches. <laughs> Whenever I see thumbtacks, I think Ticker Angle versus Mr. Anderson or, or you know, right. James Storm versus someone and just... <laughs> I'm your father, Abyss. Just, yeah, just, I don't know. They're just very cheap. I, I just I hate thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think they needed them as well. I think they could have done something else. Yeah. Barbed wire, maybe, I don't know. But, um, yeah, apart from that, it was it was really, really good. And, uh, and a good, good finish, punk. I mean, I, th- I think my issue with the thumbtacks is the big spot they did, they missed the thumbtacks. Apart from his feet, his feet, his feet landed his, in his feet. It sometimes it's a bit silly, but yeah. Um, I don't mind thumbtacks. I mean, thumbtacks have been around since in in WWF since '98. I think the Hell in the Cell, Mankind Undertaker had thumbtacks. Yeah, they were good then, but it's like after ah, uh, it's been it's been done. after twenty odd years. It's like yeah. it's just you know you know what would have been good one giant tack <laughs> like the the big circle, the brass ring, like that, yeah. but. Uh, Drawing pin, yeah, and the event of MJF's arse. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of blade in the arse, that's one way to do it. You could do a Kenneth Williams. Oh! <laughs> anyway, that match was very good. And then we had you, you might be, you know, if you're paying attention, basically every match we've been like, This was good, this is great, yeah. this is great, this is good. Then we had Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. This was a big old stinker, I thought, Joe. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, I, I know I I've seen a lot of Chris. I thought it was good. It was like a yeah. It wasn't anything to write home about, but I I didn't think it was terrible. I just kind of maybe I I sort of stopped watching. But <laughs> it went seventeen and a half minutes. Yeah. First of all, yeah, and we were watching it, and my brother was like, "This isn't very good, is it?" And I'm like, "Well, no, but you know." It's not very good, but ultimately, I think this is a match more where the result is is what's going to be more important than the, than the, the match, kind of. Because this will be, they'll finally put the belt on Thunder Rosa. Mm. Britt Baker obviously hasn't been working so much necessarily lately. And Thunder Rosa is, they're like overdue putting the belt on Thunder Rosa. And then Britt Baker beat her again. I was like, mm. oh, enough. So the one thing that I was holding out hope um, didn't even come to pass. And then they they did the thing where it's like, well, despite that, the fact that she just lost her title shot, she's getting a match with Layla Hirsch on Dynamite. And if she wins that, then she gets another title shot in her hometown. It's like, okay, so you, you've you've completely telegraphed that that's what you're doing instead. Like, why can't you just have her win the belt here and then have like a homecoming with the belt in her hometown? Why does she have to win it there? Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious she's going to do it. Like, Yeah. 
I don't think that moment will be any lesser for it. But this one sure was. Oh, I I, I couldn't tell you anything about this that I liked. Um, I just think Britt Baker has. She's been a great character. Don't get me wrong. Her DMD shtick has gotten over like Rover. When that bell rings, I don't know. She's she's missing it for me. I think she's very functional. I think she's very okay. Mm, mm. But um, for someone who's been the champion for like a year at this stage, I think it's badly in need of a refresh. Agreed. Uh, and also you had the fucking New Japan constant interference. Haters up on the r- apron. Fucking rebels uh, all falling all over the place. Oh, God. Anyway. Moving on. John Moxley, Brian Danielson. Let me get it out. My little stamp here. Da-da-da. It's Paul Griffin's match of the night. Oh, okay. This was my favorite my favorite match on the show. It was everything I hoped it would be. I'm scared it was violent. It was violent. Moxley rivaling CM Punk for uh blade blade job of the evening. Yeah, Maxwell. <laughs> I tell you what, the the straight edge boys bleed like hell. <laughs> that's that's one thing that they got going for them. They don't drink the beer, but they love the blood. <laughs> um, Danielson kind of like MJF, kind of a half half bloody face, mm-hmm. not, not quite enough. Um, no, this was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was it was it was very um, representative of technical wrestler of the year versus brawler of the year. Which it was from the Wrestling Observer Awards. Um, it was it was equal parts brawl, equal parts technical, in the best ways. Uh, Danielson put a dragon sleeper on, as per our quiz. Um, there were lots of believable false finish submissions, um, and ultimately, I thought that the finish was exactly what it needed to be. Um, I probably would have, just out of my own preference, I probably would have preferred the result to be a Danielson win in the same way. But I, you know, I don't mm. think it's a big issue. Mm. Um, I, I like the fact that it was won by the slimmest of margins. I don't think I, w- I would call it a fluke, but just like a roll up, just on the precipice of a submission. Because if, if indeed they're going forward with them more as a team than allies. I don't think it makes sense for one of them to comprehensively beat the other one. So I'm on board with that. Um, and yeah, I, I love the match. And then at post-match, they just kept fighting, which I loved as well. Before anything else even happened, I was like, yeah, just fucking keep fighting. Let them keep fighting. Yeah. And then there's a little appearance by Lord Stephen Regal out of nowhere. He's a man. Such a man. He's a man. Yeah, and within about two minutes, they booked him to look like a badass evil villain. <laughs> you know, who's kind of running the show type thing. I think it was the best Regal's looked in God knows how long. Just, just like booking him like seriously, like a... You know what I mean? Like this kind of yeah. godfather type figure comes in. And they both, I was going to say, they like both a mob respect box. him. They both clearly respect yeah. him. Brian's laughing when he when he slaps uh, Moxley around the face, and he's <laughs> and then he slaps Moxley. He's like, what the fuck? And it's like, what, how to put a guy over like really, really well? 
yeah. within like a few minutes without any promos or anything. And I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by um, where this goes. The the the, the violence connection or something. There's going to be yeah. some kind of faction with violence in the name. <laughs> That's all I'm hoping for. That's all I'm hoping yeah. for. My favorite bit was that we Regal came out, and whatever your opinion about Regal, I think Regal has always been very good about his like literally literally his acting how he mm. presents himself as a performer so he comes out fucking big old scowl on his face says some stop fighting you two and they're still trying to go pushes moxie back big old big old slap ski to the to the face right Danielson's loving it <laughs> right turns around danielson goes for a hug mm. Now, the camera cut was such that it wasn't immediately obvious. Danielson goes for a hook and a big old slap instead. (laughs) He's all shocked by it. Yeah, I thought it was was tremendous. And to your point, Joe, I'm interested to see where it goes. And isn't that what good TV is all about at the end of the day? Yeah, they set it up now. Makes Makes me want to watch Dynamite. What a mad concept. I know, I know. And if you told me Regal was coming in, I'd have been like, really, Regal? Yeah. But the way they did it, oh, kudos, Tony Khan, Regal, the two lads. Yeah, something special. Yeah. Oh. We then had the second to last match of the evening. Um, it was Andrade El Idlo, who was fucking as wide as a house. <laughs> Yoked out of his mind. When did this happen? He came out in like a big suit. I don't remember if you remember the action figure, Joe. There used to be uh, a Jack Specific. Um bone crunching action Vince McMahon figure that came right. with a big plastic look it up um, Vince McMahon just look up Vince McMahon bone crunching action right and, okay. and there, there'll be one that's Vince in like a black singlet but there'll be a version of that that has like a suit on see if you can find it right yeah Got it. And that's what Andrade looked like he came out in. This giant suit with his little head on top of it. Oh my god. Um comically big suit. I have a picture of it here, I'll share the image. Unless you have it already. Uh I've got one on the the right one. Yeah, I'll share it to you here. Boom. Um <laughs> comically big suit. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember last time I saw Andrade him looking like that, to be honest. Yeah, he just, he just got madly wide. Anyway, he's looking good. Uh, Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and New Jack, who returned with Sting makeup on for some reason. Um, now I was Sting, but Sting's doing fucking balcony dives now. He's a mad old fucker, isn't he? He's mad, isn't he? Yeah, I- like this. This match was mad. <laughs> and he was standing on top of like a railing as well. It wasn't, it wasn't like a platform. He was like balanced on a railing. <laughs> what? Yeah, this whole match was insane. Very, very good. Perfect for the that point in the show. Yeah. Um, I'll just re-emphasize. Sting is 62 years old. Not to be ageist, but like... Mm. He's obviously just having the time of his life. Because he has mm. made enough money... He's not. He has no need to be jumping off railings, off balconies, through eight tables or whatever. And he's just he's just doing it like he is bonkers. But he's obviously loving it as well. 
I, I saw he got interviewed in this scrum, but I didn't see any of his quotes or anything or watch any of the video. But I imagine he was just like having the time of his life and fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did watch that. He didn't, wasn't anything kind of revelatory. Um, but yeah, he seems to just enjoy it. Because that would have been my first question Sting, well, you're jumping off balconies now. What? what? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're mad off. Uh, yeah, he said he enjoys being friends with Darby Allen. I think he's maybe. Rubbing off on him. That but that video was mental as well. The, the premium oh, video with the card. It looked like fucking Keith Lee had thrown it across the room. <laughs> 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 and Darby Allen gets out. Oh my god. Yeah, I was thinking we hadn't seen one of those Darby Allen videos in a while. So I'm glad I'm glad we got one of those. Yeah, it was very yeah. fun. And then they sting with a fire extinguisher or a, not a extinguisher, but a uh, flamethrower. Flame yeah. Burn in the the funeral procession. Ah, oh, bonkers! That's great. Um, yeah, very much a, a crowd pleasing brawl through the audience, and obviously the big mm. spot was the. Well, the big spot was also uh, Sammy Guevara's Spanish fly on the ramp, but Sammy Guevara, you'd expect that from Sting. I don't know what he's doing these days. Just be careful, lad. That's all I would say. Uh, and then we had the main event of the evening. Hangman Page went against Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you make of it, Joe? I thought it was all right. I didn't love it, if I'm honest. It's not the kind of style I like. Um, right. Just lots of kind of... So I was going to say lots of moves, but all, all matches are lots of moves. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I don't know. Just that the story to it didn't click with me. Um. Adam Cole's matches, I haven't really enjoyed particularly. Right. Once I saw it in NXT, uh, I was kind of lukewarm on. And he hasn't really had any big, I don't know, big singles, that many big singles matches so far in right. AEW. He's been in a lot of tag matches, six mans. So yeah, it was it was good, but not, I mean, certainly the worst of Hang, Hangman's defenses so far for me. I would agree. I think this was every bit a two and three quarter star to three and a quarter star match. I just didn't gel with it at all. I, I'm absolutely willing to say that, that was probably due to it being like 4.30 a.m. our time. <laughs> yeah. And I just watched four hours of wrestling and I just was like exhausted from it. Mm-hmm. But I, I like I enjoyed the Sting match more. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So Adam Cole came out in, in the worst. Oh, Halo cosplay I've ever seen oh. in my life. Which, first of all, he's like the heel coming out in the Halo cosplay. Like, I, lo- I yeah, I get it. He loves video games. He loves Twitch. Uh, he looked like a complete geek. Um, and then the match was just a match. I mean, I th- I agree. I think this was Hangman's weakest match he's had as champion. I think his, but then his matches to this point have all been of, of an exceptionally high standard. Um, but this was kind of. The one match, and again, this goes back to our complaints from recent weeks. This was the one match where I didn't feel super compelled by what comes next or, you know, mm. I think the Hangman reign has been, ironically, a bit, feels a bit like CM Punk when he was the champion for like a year, mm. but then never main evented any pay-per-views. Okay, Hangman's main eventing the pay-per-view, but his match, even as the main event, felt third most important mm. at most. Um and I, I, I would even question putting it on last. I think this should have been 
Okay, I, I understand they want to keep the tradition of ending with the world title match, but in this case, I think you have to also be realistic and work with the crowd expectations. Because I, you know, I liken it to, and I know it's a <laughs> it's a little bit out of date, given that I even I could give less of a shite about Conor McGregor, but I I call it the Conor McGregor in the main event thing where. When I used to stay up to watch UFC, when Conor McGregor was in his heyday, mm. right? You might be watching a fight. It's not the most exciting. Your, your interest levels might be going, but Conor McGregor's in the main event. Mm. And you can still have that. Like the fact that the match you're most looking forward to is at the end will, will drive you through the show. You know? I think when everybody had seen the CM Punk match and everyone had seen the Moxley match, Including me, I was kind of checked out by that point. You know, I'd seen everything I wanted to see. Wasn't particularly interested in the Adam Cole Hangman match. So maybe I, unfairly, I went in a little bit like, I don't care about this match. But that's their fault for structuring the show that way and building that feud that way, I guess. Yeah, I think he needs a, a good story, a good feud. Uh, I mean, his story was chasing the title, and now he needs something else. He needs a story. Yeah. It doesn't help that they're giving all the good material to the feuds that aren't for the title, but... Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I'm sure they could come up with more good material. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, it's not a limit of two good yeah. stories per show, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it'll be with Brian and, and Moxley. Yeah, yeah. So l- l- let me do a test here, right? right? Joe, you and I both watch AW's television. We watch Dynamite, we watch Rampage, we watch Pay Per View. Can you tell me uh, what is the crux of the Hangman Adam Page feud, aside for the fact that it's a, for a title? Um, they're both called Adam. Right. And that upset them. It proves my point. They're both. NXT, something like that, something about oh, okay. Adam Cole, something, something. Yeah. I don't know. And if I asked you to do the same for the CM Punk MJF feud, you'd probably talk for 15 minutes, right? Well, basically, Paul, it, was st- <laughs> no, it started probably in, ni- in 2000 when uh, Punk met Stone Cold Steve Austin at an autograph session. <laughs> and then a few years later, Steve Austin walked out, took went home, took his ball home, took his ball home, took his ball with him. And from there, you know, MJF became a fan of CM Punk, of course, and then CM Punk left wrestling for several years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's the 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 punk or the punk the page Cole feud just doesn't have doesn't have any. Not that it doesn't have any juice to it, but you know, even even Moxie Danielson, you could say, okay, I get why they're feuding because mm. Danielson wants to be in a tag team with Moxie. He's interested in Moxie. He he's been watching his matches. He wants to be in a team with him. Moxley is reluctant, of course, because Moxley mm. is is a kind of a don't trust anything character. Da da da. And you go from there, blah, 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 blah. I could, I, I, I'm not skipping it because I have nothing to say. There's obviously stuff to talk about that feud. Yeah. Pa- Paige and Cole. There has to Adam be Cole a desire. Has to be the leader, the leader or something. I don't know. Yeah. Adam Page used to be in the elite. Is that, is that it? Is that the character what needs a desire. They need a quest. And it can't just be the, winning the title because that's not interesting enough in wrestling to, to just, this person wants to win the title. This person wants to keep the title. Well, yeah, obviously, it's the championship. Of course, they want to win it. it well, what's the sub? What's 
underneath that that makes it interesting. I mean, as much as I can get is is that Adam Cole is the leader of the elite, and mm. in Omega's egg, you know. Uh, absence and he because Omega was a champion, Cole needs to be the champion as well. But then that doesn't really have anything to do with Adam Page. And mm. Adam Page is used to be in the elite, that's kind of it, anyway. Not good. Okay. Uh, and then, and then Adam Page won, obviously. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, the match was fine. I again, I don't, I'm not saying the match was bad, but the mm. match is fine. Okay, give us something in the post match to. Send us home with oh ooh, that's got me thinking. Ooh, what's ooh, that's coming for Hangman down the road. Oh, some but then Hangman just went off the air to see mm. Hangman won. Mm. That was it. It's like, okay, well that that was the segment that didn't get me excited for Dynamite, whereas everything else, with the exception maybe of the Brick Baker thing, because it's so obvious where that's going. But everything else almost got me thinking, oh interested to tune into Dynamite and see where uh, what the next stage of that story is. Agreed, if, yeah. if if it's just they're, they're going to do Hangman and Cole again, I don't really have much interest in that, I say. No, I thought um, Kenny Omega was going to come out, potentially. Um, given that well, I, they did they did kind of tease it and kind of got you. Well, I know, that's what I thought. Because, you know, you kind of, when you do that fake out and make out as if Omega's going to come out and they don't deliver often. It's in the back of your head. It's teeing it up. For, oh, and then Omega really comes out at the end, and it's like, here we go, Omega Page again. But or, or Omega Cole. Omega Cole. Yes. For the for the elite. Which I think yeah. they still might do in Dynamite or something. But yeah. I think they will. Well, I think that's about it for this week. We've covered it everything. Um, so thanks for joining us once again. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, the lads will be back next week. Uh, yeah to, enjoy your holiday joe well, thank you very much to yeah review the follow-up of, of the fallout of all this and probably some uh, movies and tv and all that <laughs> show for me it's um good luck good night and i bid you adieu and from paul griffin bang good night sorry bang. <laughs> i said it the right way around <laughs>